for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. What's going on, everybody? Tom Quiet here, live and amplified. We are back at it again. One more week. This is week 15. That's 15 episodes straight of the live and amplified jam session. You know, we've been really struggling lately with the uh, COVID-19 situation. It's been making it really hard to pull off these jam session podcasts the way we like to do it. So we've been doing the jam sessions remotely through Zoom and all that fun stuff. But, you know, it just doesn't have the same feel. The the personality, the closeness, the vibes just aren't the same as they are when we're in person recording the music live. And obviously the music isn't as greatly recorded, but, you know, there's only so much we can do in current times. So if you happen to be in Central Texas or coming through Central Texas and you're a band, musician, and you want to do a jam session, reach out because we could definitely use it. Um, you know, we're getting by on the Zoom sessions, but I am absolutely ready to get back working with bands person to person, face to face, because the jam sessions just are so much different. The feel, the vibe, the, you know, just everything. Like when you're in person and you're vibing off the music and you sit there and have a real conversation with people, you know, it's just completely different. But, you know, There's only so much I can do. I don't know why I'm rambling on so much because this is going to be a long-ass podcast. I am so sorry about that. I was not planning on it to be almost two and a half hours, but it looks like it's going to be like that because the jam session went really well. You know, we got the vibe and we were talking, um, and then we have a really special treat for you later on with our interview segment, so we'll get to that here in a little bit, but first of all... I want to push you all to our website, liveandamplified.net. If you haven't had a chance to go check it out, please do. We're doing all kinds of craziness over there. That's where we premiere our content, we our podcasts, our videos, our series. You know, we're even doing like an indie digital magazine over there. So we review music, we give tips, tricks, and trades to the music business for younger musicians. And we do all kinds of cool, crazy things over there. So please just go check it out. We would absolutely appreciate it. But for now, like I had mentioned, the podcast is going to be really long, so I'm going to kind of speed through our little intro here. First up for the uh, jam session, we have an amazing, amazing group. Uh, Boxes all the way from the UK. Uh, We got on the uh, very early, it was very early in the morning, so if I sound like I'm really tired, it's because it's like four in the morning my time. Um, so we got on really early. We got an opportunity to sit down, chat. They played a couple of songs for us and it's a really chill time. And I hope you guys really appreciate it. And instead of rambling on much longer, I'm going to just kind of jump into it and let's go to the interview. Here we are with boxes. Uh, we have another amazing, uh, podcast for y'all and, uh, we have some amazing musicians with us. We have boxes all the way from the UK. How's it going today, guys? We're good. Morning. I mean, it's it's early here, but it's even earlier in Texas, so I'm, I'm not going to yeah. complain. 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I figured if you guys were getting up that early, I might as well meet you halfway. You know. Six hours earlier. Yeah. Crazy. Usually I'm an early riser anyways, so I'm usually up at like between six and seven anyways. So it's not like too terribly inconvenient, you know. But um, anyways, so thank you all for uh, joining us. Really appreciate you giving us the time. I, like we've been mentioning, it's early and all that fun stuff. Um, so let's kind of go ahead and jump into it. What's who are what's have you introduce yourselves individually first before since there's multiple people? Sure. So um, um, we're a band made up of four people. So you've got two, well, a half of it here, probably the the worst half. But um, I'm I'm David Miller. Um, I was uh, we we both reside in Manchester at the moment, but. I'm from the Lake District, which is um, right at the top of England. If, if you Google the Lake District, if you don't know about the Lake District, if you Google it, you'll see it's probably the nicest part of the UK, Lovely I would place. say. Um, I've um, been involved in music ever since, or before I could talk. I used to have like a, a slight stutter as a, as a child. So um, my mum always says I could, I could always sing before I could talk. Um, and yeah, I kind of front the band, I'm, I'm the lead singer, uh, slash rhythm guitarist, which normally means I can't really play guitar, but I just want to look like I'm doing something whilst I'm, uh, whilst I'm playing live. And uh, Josh is, is the far more talented one. I'll let you, I'll let you. <laughs> I wouldn't say far more talented, but, uh, you know, credit where it's due, you know. <laughs> you, need to, uh, you need to give yourself more credit, lad. Uh, yeah, I, uh, so I'm Josh. Um, I've uh, I've been playing music for for about ten years now. I was uh, I was a bit of a late bloomer there, but that's considered. Um, <laughs> you just should, should have got into it a lot earlier, you know. Um, but yeah, um, I have the pleasure of joining uh, Mr. Miller here on his um, on his musical adventures. Um, probably what was it three three years ago now? Yeah, about three um, years. yeah. So. Um, the band has been through a few iterations, even in that time. But um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been one hell of a ride. Uh, but yeah, I play uh, I play guitar and uh, backing vocals um, in in the band Boxes, and uh, we we are we actually live together, so hence we're we're able to do this from the same room. And uh, we're we're missing uh, Mr. Tom Adams, who's our um, uh, bassist, he's a very, very talented and attractive man, and, <laughs> and uh, James Saunders, who is uh, the man with the sticks, awesome. who is also incredibly talented. Attractive. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, with everything that's currently going on with the pandemic and stuff, are you guys able to get together and practice, or is it mainly just? the two of you practicing and then the other two are just kind yeah so um so so in england i wouldn't say it was too strict like the the laws but it's kind of you'd be you'd be looked down upon if you met with people outside of your household um so with, like the social pressure meeting with those people will probably stop most people from meeting rather than the actual official guidelines so um yeah me and josh have been working on quite a lot we've been practicing doing a lot of kind of duo boxes live streams mm-hmm. um and we've also been putting down some demos as well but as a band we we meet up on things like zoom and skype and um, once a week and just discuss kind of how we're going to bring the band forward so we've been doing that recently with um 
I think we're going to buy some tech to make sure that the mixing is corrected out here. So again, I'm, yeah, I'm not the technical yeah. one here. We, but, uh, uh, we need some mini monitors, I think, going forward. So, uh, <laughs> so that's going to be an investment. But, uh, yeah. But as a, uh, me and Josh, we, we are quite lucky that we do live together because it means that we can carry on practicing and we can carry on doing little live stream gigs and interviews like this and also penning some new songs now, which, uh, which the downtown has been uh, very helpful with. Mm. Usually we don't touch on this until later towards the end of the interview, but are you guys doing anything to uh, challenge yourself musically while you have um, more free time? Yeah, well, I mean, in, in touches of, well, I'm, I know Josh has been playing a lot more guitar. You've, yeah. been, you've been able to play a, a lot more guitar, but yeah. in terms of like writing songs and stuff, I don't I don't really set deadlines on that. I know, I know some, some musicians kind of lock themselves away in a room just to make sure that they write songs. But for me, it's, um, for me, you've got to be feeling when you write a song. And um, I don't think you can force feeling. I'm not, I'm not someone who can force feeling. So songs just come when, when they do, but... I think we've been in lockdown for about two months now, maybe just under two months, and I've, I've managed to pen down a couple of songs. Yeah. One, one of them I think is pretty good. We've made and, some good progress on some, some yeah. existing songs as well, so yeah, yeah it's been helpful. And we're more, we're more than free to, to kind of play some songs for you if you, if you if you want that, or if this is just kind of an interview thing, then we're cool with that as well. I mean, if you have the ability to play some songs, that, that'd, yeah. be kind of, that'd be cool, be a little bit different. Um, so we'll get to that here in a sec. Um, but what is your creative process? Like when you actually sit down to write, is it more of a collective thing or yeah? So, um, how it happens normally, um, although as a band, we've managed to write some songs when we're practicing, for example, when those kind of sparks of creativity come, but I would tend to take the lead and I would, um, perhaps, just with like a simple chord progression, kind of pen out some lyrics and like a vocal melody um, to go over, just some simple chords. And then I hand it over to the kind of more musically um, talented people in, in the band and they, they can flesh it out. But like I said, I've never really sit down and, and think this, I'm going to write a song today or I'm going to do this. It just, it just comes, I'm not sure where it comes from, um, but um, I don't really have a structure. I just allow it to happen. Okay. It's it's kind of proven okay so yeah, far. Yeah. So um, don't ruin a, a winning a winning formula. I say winning. But songs get wrote somehow. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're working at a good pace. I'd like to think as well at the moment. I think what with lockdown and the you know the lesser distractions and stuff. I think um, yeah, I think we're making some good progress. And then obviously recording stuff at uh, home here. So. I think when we get out of lockdown, we're going to have we're, we're going to be in a good situation there, and maybe want to go into the studio and and record some more stuff more officially, but also play some uh, you know play some gigs finally with uh, <laughs> with some uh, with some new songs. So uh, looking forward yeah. to getting out of it, as I'm sure we all are. Yeah. So so like Josh was saying, we're kind of using this time to pen down some demos. So yeah. we're not wasting time when this is all over. We can hit the ground running. We can get to the studio and. Um, hopefully bash out a, cu a couple more singles um, off the back of the EP, which has just come out. Yeah. Um, and since we're on the topic of the EP, how has that experience? Is this the first EP for the band or have you guys released EPs previously? Um, we have released EPs previously, but they've always been, um, they've always been very quickly done. 
Uh-huh. And so they'd be like live EPs and they'd be, and they were great. Well, they, they were okay, but um, they'd be done by like a, a musical student because we didn't have much money to um, to actually make them, which is, which is fine for the time, which is, which was fine for where we were at as a band mm. previously, but where we are now, when we needed to get to down to like a proper studio with, um, with like full-time producers and, um, and get some proper music out there because, um, if you don't have proper music, then no one's going to really take you seriously as a musician. And if you want to land those spots on on big UK festivals and get admiration um, admiration from like um, overseas and in, in America, then you need that kind of good quality production on, on the EP. So we we went into the studio, and you know me and Josh and the rest of the band, we all had full time jobs, uh, kind of your classic nine to five jobs. So we could only really get into the studio on the odd weekend, and then of course studio time gets booked up so you know it's kind of a long process it took us around about 10 months from start to finish and um, just going in on that odd weekend here and there and just kind of chipping away at the ep rather than yeah. you know taking two weeks to get into the studio because with jobs and um and things like yeah, that yeah, and yeah. other obligations and it's, it's it's a lot harder to do but um i think we're quite proud of the results um on I go off Spotify streams. I'm one of those people who go off Spotify streams, but we, we've had about like 30,000 ish collectively oh. on the EP, which yeah. is, which I think is, is, is a good start for like a, a band like ours. Mm. And um, yeah, and it's just using that music after the lockdown, after, after the lockdown clears and um, for us to go out there and hopefully get a few more gigs off the back of it. So um, bigger and better gigs, hopefully. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's like, I mean, you, one of the things that we always like to talk or touch on is what you're doing to prepare for life after this pandemic. Cause it's one of those weird things where it's like, originally they were talking about, Oh, it'll be two weeks of lockdown. And then you just kind of move on after that. And mm-hmm. now we know that that's not really been the case. It's been, it'll be two months for me on Tuesday or third Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and you said it's been about two months for yourselves as well. And so it's like, well, we've a lot of people been out of work or been isolated for two months. It's not going to be just a matter of, okay, turn right back around and jump right back into it. Yeah. And you got to start thinking about how you're going to be able to, once things are opened back up, how to hit the ground running. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's extremely important to hit the ground running. And what you'll have is you'll have kind of all these starving musicians, um, who, who, are, who are starved of, of that kind of live platform for so long, all wanting to have gigs at the same time as well. Yeah. So I think we've got to be, well, especially on, on our local scene, city of Manchester in England, uh, you'll, you'll definitely have that. There's a lot of great local musicians and there'll be kind of a, a battle off for, uh, for places on, on kind of live, live gigs going out of lockdown. So mm. you've got to be proactive. You've got to have your finger on the pulse. And... Um, and you've got to um, kind of keep up to date with the, the latest coronavirus updates from your government as well, because mm. if you get the feeling that there's going to be, you know, that lockdown and live gigs could be back up in like two weeks, you've got to be speaking to promoters or to people who put on events just to say like, look, if you guys are planning a big party after all this stuff, then we, we, we might be on the bill and uh, please consider us. However, I, I think that's still a long way off in, in England. Yeah. I don't think we'll have proper live music for yeah. maybe the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a long and ragged return. So, 
I know here in Texas, or at least where I'm at locally, they had one show last night. I have to talk to the guy later and see how it actually went. Um, I was a little, I was going to go to it, but I was a little apprehensive of going to a show that's kind of defying some of the stay-at-home order. Or we're, we're not even really under a stay-at-home order right now, but, you know, just kind of defying the trends of what's going on. And like yeah. we have people that are getting arrested because they're opening their business. So it's like, okay, yeah. like I'm going to just kind of watch from here and just see how it goes. And I know there's a couple of other places that want to open up and start doing music. So no, I think, I think, I think Texas as a state would be one of the first ones to, 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 um, to, to come back. They're a little bit more uh, aggressive for, for like better or for worse. They're a bit more like independent freedom based yeah. um, state. So mm-hmm. I was I was listening to um, to a podcast the the other day and it was stating that um, kind of comedians are, are going back to work so like a four hundred capacity from next week you can probably get about two hundred. Were you watching the Joe Rogan experience? Is yeah, that I was. Yeah, I was watching something to do with like Elon Musk maybe moving his kind of uh, factory to Texas because California is it California? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yep. You're on the right um, track. Yeah, I, I do enjoy the Joe Rogan experience, but um, that's where I get my Texas knowledge from. Because he was he was thinking about moving to Texas at some point. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. You know, but Joe brings up an interesting point, and I think it's going to translate over into the music industry. During one of his podcasts, he was talking about com- or the comedians that everybody's going to have to step down a notch. So, like the people that are doing like the big stadium tours are going to go start doing big clubs, and then so like the little guys that are doing like the bars and stuff are going to be stuck because they're not going to be able to get in anywhere because everybody that was, because, you know, like music definitely has its hierarchy of venues. So it's like, you're either playing stadium shows, big concert halls, you know, small concert halls, you know, stuff like that. And I think if music follows the same trend as comedians, everybody's going to have to step down a notch, which as a fan, it would be really cool. It's like, oh, I can go over to the House of Blues here and see Metallica play or something, you know, just something like that. And that'd be really cool. But who could have been playing at the House of Blues if Metallica got their stadium show that they wanted to play instead, you know? Correct. I think... um... Those uh, those lower musicians, probably where we fit in, in, into that bracket, will have to find creative ways to um, capitalize on um, the restrictions. Well, I, and you've seen it already during lockdown. People going on to do live sessions so on, uh, on social media. So it might just be a, a prolongment of, um, of those musicians making them out of the online platforms, which has been um, a silver lining in, in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, as... But then again, you know, it's, it's creating an interesting barrier in my opinion, because I'm sitting here like, like I've done the live streaming festivals, trying to help musicians out by giving them various platforms. And so like putting on festivals, like, Hey, if you want to play a 30 minute set, you know, I have this time, this time through this time, you know, whatever. But the issue is there's so many people live streaming. So like the attention that we were getting six months ago is cut in half now because everybody is forced to go online. So it's just like, you know, 
but that's just an interesting side note. And because uh, I'm a very analytical person, I like to see the numbers and I like to look at the numbers. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's just because so so yeah. you you were probably doing something very unique at the time, like hardly anyone was was live streaming, and then all of a sudden it's like. It's just crazy. You can go online at 7 p.m. and there'll be, especially on the, on the UK music scene, there'll be like four, four or five kind of well-established UK acts mm. um, all live streaming at, at the same time. Kind yeah. of not, not. I wouldn't say they were battling for numbers, but you do have, you do battle for numbers, um, whether you like to think you are or not. Mm-hmm. Like you'll be taking some away from someone else, but it's just, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah, and you know it's. It's weird because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I'm starting to see that the consistency pays off more. So, like, there's a guy we worked with. He lives out on the East Coast of the U.S., and he live streams every night at the exact same time. He does, like, a happy hour live stream, and his numbers are growing in this time just because he's hitting so consistently. And, you know, it's like – which is weird because in my head it's like I'd be worried about oversaturation of my music, but it seems yeah. like the oversaturation is what's working for them. Yeah. yeah, it's all too easy to overplay. I think, um, you know, especially when you're when you're very much a, a city band as well. Like um, you get a lot of apps that are just sort of playing incessantly, and I think after a while you you just hit a point where. Um, you get the same few characters at this show, but it's, it doesn't it doesn't do you any favors as far as you know, getting new people kind of um, coming over and seeing you and stuff like that. So, but I think with with online, it's like if if you can play the same sort of slot and people know where to catch you, it's uh, it's like kind of a um, a subscription <laughs> sort of thing almost. So you know where to catch them, and sure you're competing with like know all the numbers from the other streams and stuff like that but um you know it's uh it's that consistency does kind of uh have its uh have its advantages as well i think yeah absolutely absolutely because facebook is that venue that has the constant changeover like you know not the same even if i were to let's say like you guys live streamed every night and i was a follower I may not get alerted about every live stream because that's just how the Facebook algorithm works. Like it doesn't always tell you like, Hey, you know, um, but anyways, so you guys said you guys have actually been, uh, participating or practicing with the live stream. How's that been for you guys? It's just been great. So we, we, we tested the waters with one on our kind of Facebook page, which, um, which was well engaged with, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of moving into, um, which we're trying to get ourselves further into the UK country scene. So getting to know and get to con- uh, get to network with the people already existing on the scene, because it's it's a growing scene, and we we can be part of that. And um, that'll be kind of my dr- small small kind of term dream. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been able to work on on like singer songwriter rounds where there's three people at any given stream, which has been great. So we've been getting to not only perform to a bigger audience, but to um, but to talk with other um, UK artists as well, which has been good. Um, yeah, and yeah, we've just been luckily we've been getting asked to play on um, other people's pages as well, doing these kind of page takeovers, which has been uh, which has been fantastic to work to open up 
hopefully new digital audience to us. Yeah. I don't know if you've got anything to, uh, to add to that. John. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Obviously, the the numbers that you can reach are kind of um, a bit less restricted in a sense, and um, the the whole promotion aspect is kind of a, a completely different ball game. So you're kind of fighting against um, almost an infinite amount of other potential um, uh, events, virtual events, etc. But mm-hmm. in terms of the reach you can get, um, especially with Sort of joining joining these other sort of uh, organisations and um, sort of labels and stuff like that, uh, reach and grow organically very quickly as well. So that's uh, that's been a big thing for us, and it's um, I think it's worked quite well as well. And something we, we probably wouldn't have really done had we not been in the situation we find ourselves in. So uh, another silver lining, as good as it is to say. Yeah, um, we've um, when we've done. Um when we've done these live streams ourselves, we've been trying to utilize like technology and streams use, so like OBS, so that we, we, we don't just get our faces onto social media, but we, we have like messages to make sure that people, I think it helps with engagement, maybe. Yes. Like, like and share and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was going to actually be my next question is, uh, what software you guys use, but I guess OBS is like the universal answer for everyone because yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of stolen off uh, of Twitch kind of gaming streamers and it's moved into kind of the music industry um, over this time. Yeah. You've noticed that like, platforms like Twitch now have um, now have a music tab as well. So I think a lot of people are moving on to there because they can get that uh, footfall of people just scrolling through music and then maybe finding you and, and sticking with you as well. It's not something we've explored yet, but it's um, it's something that we're aware of. Yeah, you know, it's. I was reading an article the other day that there's a way that I can route OBS into Zoom here, and so like all the graphical layouts that you can do on OBS, you can do on Zoom, and it's like cool. But I kind of want to flip it and reverse it and run OBS or Zoom through OBS, yeah. so that way I can route OBS into our website because I can't route zoom into our website like it's only facebook or youtube and it's so it's like that that's just some stuff that i'm trying to play with as far as like stuff we're working on um all right so you guys primarily live streaming on facebook or do you guys adventure out into like youtube instagram and other platforms i think the, the last one we did was was insta wasn't it um so that's uh no, that's another kettle of fish. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, I think it's been mostly Facebook, hasn't yeah. it? And I mean, with Instagram, with Instagram, I don't know if there's like a way, we just had to do it on our phones, like like we are now, to be mm-hmm. fair. Um, but I have no idea if there's a way that you can like plug in. Uh, I don't yeah, think that's, that's like, the thing. You can't really this. have a, be a middleman in, yeah. in the same way, like uh, sort of a uh, transitive technology in the, in the middle. So um, no, Which, I know. We're all learning a lot, I think, uh, about how best to, to approach these things. But uh, which kind of is nice because it's more of a raw, it's more of a raw feeling on Instagram. So it's well, I think that you, the only way you can do it is through your phone. I'm, I'm guessing a technical wizard out there will probably tell me otherwise. But um, I quite like it because on Facebook, um, the, the higher kind of performers are, are doing, uh, you know, the plugging in external bikes, um, using like DSLR cameras with cam links and all that kind of jazz which is it looks professional and it looks great but when, when you go onto instagram it cuts it all back to uh to kind of your actual talent and if yeah. you can actually play or not um yeah. which i quite like <laughs> yeah you know it's 
The only thing I don't like about streaming on Instagram is the same issue we had originally streaming on Zoom here is it's got such a natural compression rate that it like compresses the crap out of your music. And that was something that we were struggling with here on Zoom was like if we had if it was a solo acoustic act, nine times out of ten, you were all right. But the second you brought in a second person, it would try and EQ out that second person because it thought it was background noise and then it would compress the volume so like if one person would go high the other person would go low it would compress the audio and try and level it off and it it was really bad and so luckily I kind of went through the uh, settings and I was just like oh okay this is how we got to do it now and so yeah, it can be it can be pretty uh, pretty noticeable as well. Like the sort of ducking um, is uh, you know it sounds it's a it's a tricky one to get around, isn't it? At the end of the day, so I guess the OBS helps with that. But, uh, Josh is a you're a trained so Josh is a trained sound engineer, so it's always oh, nice. useful having having someone who's trained in sound in the band because. Uh, I kind of leave all that stuff to Josh. <laughs> I enjoy it, but, um, but yeah, sometimes I think with these sort of situations, uh, there's only so much you can do when you're fighting a bit of a, an uphill battle. But again, it's it's one of those things you kind of you learn about time after time doing these uh, doing these live streams, and um, you know you sort of find out ways of making it better. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been a, been a journey, but uh, yeah. we're getting close to, uh, you know, like a solution that we're happy with, I guess. Yeah. I think actually, to be honest, we, we've been all right um, in general. Uh, but you do notice it on other, other live streams where it's like the acoustic sort of disappears behind a, a vocal or another instrument is sort of completely o- over sort of uh, by, by something else. So, yeah, um, yeah but we're getting there. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really hard to sound check yourself live streaming because it's like I had one guy that I was trying to get get his attention to be like, hey, your guitar isn't plugged in or your DI isn't clean or something. So he's sitting there because like the way he had it set up, he couldn't hear me. So it was just like thumbs up and he started playing. And so – I'm trying to get his attention. His his DI or his uh, wasn't plugged yeah, in or whatever, and so he's just sitting there playing. And you can hear him singing, but there's no guitar playing in the background. And I'm like, "Hey, nobody can hear you guys." Better have been a good singer. Yeah, so it, it was kind of interesting. And then finally, I was just like, in between songs, I just uh, called him and I was like, "Hey, man." I need you to plug your guitar in. He's <laughs> like, oh, Sick. great. So I just like an idiot for the last five minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of, but you're good. Uh, at least he had you. I mean, I think with, with some of the others, it's just like, yeah. you, you sort of feel like you're jumping straight in the deep end. And it's like, well, we're live. Let's do this thing. <laughs> and you, you don't have, you don't have so much in the way of like any reassurance that you sound like okay. But, um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you'd mentioned that you you can play some music for us right now. Or? I can I can play some if it's uh, it's better than one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go ahead. What have we got? <laughs> We've got a couple of guitars Shall we... here. Should we have a little look? Yeah. Oh, if you're gonna while you're getting that set up, uh, let me have you go into the settings here really quick. 
And so in the, or no, you're on your phone. Never mind. It won't let you do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, what I'll do is I'll play a couple of songs which I wrote during lockdown. So these are, these are kind of brand, brand, brand new. Should have really prepared this. I wasn't sure if this would be like a, a, um, a uh, just an interview. I think you know they do just interviews, but I was like, if we can play some music, then um, then all the better for yeah for everyone, really. Yeah, no. Usually we it's just a straight up interview, but you know what? Why not just uh, play some music? Um, what's that? Sure. Yeah. Can you play that with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, this is right. Hey, I'm gonna be the first person to hate on this song because this is this is a lockdown song. Okay. Um, and I know every single every single person who who is doing music is is doing lockdown songs uh, because it's kind of what we're all experiencing. And like I said before, the um, the only way I can write songs is is when I'm feeling something and without sounding too uh, kind of too uh, I'm really bad with words too like emotional like. I don't think I can feel it all the time. Like you can only feel when you actually are feeling something. So this is this is called One Step. It's about um, as time passes in lockdown, um, you know, you, you're one step already in the future, which means you're one step closer to the people um, that you've been away from, the people you love, the people who, uh, who mean something to you in your life. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and play it. We've not really played it too many times. <laughs> Follow me if I'm moving when I'm walking, when I'm running, when I'm moving. If I hand up a line, I stay with me when I'm thinking, when I'm drowning, when I'm floundering. If I ever feel like digging a hole tight. Yes, I'm already one step in the future. I'm one step closer to you. Believe me when I'm saying, without thinking or without knowing, when the words just flow right out of my mouth. And stay with me when I've been drinking and overthinking the rainy weather held us together so we could all stay dry. Cause I'm already one step in the future, I'm one step closer to you. Cause I'm already one step in the future One step closer to you They don't know us like we do And they don't know the kind of things that we so stay with me when I'm falling, when I'm falling, if I'm rolling, if I ever need to be able to live and say. 
small example of the kind of songs we've been uh, coming up with during, during lockdown. I'm not sure if that, if that, <laughs> how did that sound? Yeah, I don't know how it sounded. Uh, it, the, at some points, the guitar would get kind of EQ'd out a little bit, but yeah. other than that, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go for that. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, what it 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 definitely is a good song. I can't wait to hear it as like a full band collectively. You know, yeah. it's, it's got a nice little chill vibe, and so that's that's awesome. Um, and you said you wrote that during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just yeah, kind of like the, the main the main kind of premises of it is um, even if you're feeling like fed up of of the pandemic, or you're feeling down then just remember every every kind of moment that passes is, is a moment closer to to the end. Sounds ominous. <laughs> well, it's, not meant to, it's meant to sound nice. And I'm assuming you envision it being inco or incorporating the other members of the band or do you oh, right, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So this this would be a good example of um I will write a song acoustically and then we'll you know we'll we'll, we'll track it with um Electric guitars, obviously drums, bass, dobro, lap steel, all that kind of, all that kind of jazz. I don't. Know, it would almost be interesting to see what this because it it sounds a little bit like it was made or naturally it's naturally meant to be done acoustically. Like just hearing it, um, uh, so it'd almost be interesting to hear you record it as an acoustic. Yeah, definitely. So um, one thing I've tried um, to to do with most songs now mm. is um, th there's a lot of songs on our backlog where you could only really play it as a band. So I want, I need, we kind of need every song to sound uh, to have an acoustic version of it. So mm. if it sounds like it should be done acoustically, then that's music to my ears because it'll sound a lot better as a band. But it'll also sound like it's meant to be played acoustically too. So if me and Josh have to go out and do a duo, or if I have to do a solo, mm -hmm. then um, we can still get away with it. Whereas in some in the backlog of our songs, if I start doing one of our big country rock songs on an acoustic guitar, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't sound the same. So if if that, that's that's kind of what I've been aiming for. So um, music to okay. my ears. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's kind of what you're going for. Gotcha. Yes. So. Um, one of the things that we really like to do is help younger musicians and get feed younger musicians advice. And since, um, since you guys are here, figured we'll jump into it. And since, you know, we got a little bit of the, uh, perspective of a professional sound engineer here as well, it'll give us an opportunity <laughs> to kind of jump in a couple of different ways and attack this. But, uh, let's start off from the, uh, 
aspect of what just in general advice do you have for somebody that's maybe just getting started in music? My, my advice is, has always been to um, never compare yourself against someone else. Um, we've all got kind of different clocks. Some people find success early on and some of us have to kind of grasp for it a little bit more. So if there's someone on the scene or if there's a, a person at high school or a person at college um, who's doing, who seems like they're doing much more advanced things than you at this point in time, don't, don't kind of, don't judge yourself against them because uh, we are running different clocks. And uh, I'm sure Josh has some... some um... Yeah, um, I would say, uh, first and foremost, <laughs> music is a team sport. Um, it's always better with other people, I think, and, and that was that was something that kind of held back for a while when I was originally sort of um, getting into, you know, just playing primarily guitar, but, um, you know, I sort of taught myself a lot from YouTube and that, but I think when things really got interesting was when I, when I started playing music with other people, um, I think you just naturally learn so much uh, playing music with others. It's uh, it, it's kind of like a, a fast track to becoming becoming better. I would say a, a more well rounded musician because um, it sort of accentuates what you what you're perhaps not so aware of um, in terms of uh, your your where your abilities, where your strengths and weaknesses lay. So. Um, I would say, yeah, you know, get get involved with the sort of musical community, try and seek out like-minded people who are, you know, perhaps at a similar level as you. And, um, you know, I think you'll sort of learn quicker, quicker together. And like Dave says, you know, people are um, all sorts of uh, kind of stages throughout their musical ability. You've got like five-year-old prodigies and 50-year-old dudes who just picked up the guitar and that's, you know, that's totally cool. So, um, you know, just go at your own pace and, uh, and yeah, you know, track, compare, your, compare your ability to where it was five years ago, not to, to where someone else is like your age or your stage is at right now. So, yeah. I'd also add to that. And um, I'd also, I'd always make small term goals rather than long term goals. So, so don't, so don't start with music thinking I want to, uh, uh, I want to, I want to headline the grand or whatever, just um, Madison Gardens. <laughs> Madison Gardens, yeah. Just, uh, just, just, just take it one step at a time. Get, get your first gig and then get your first recording music and just, just take it from there. Yeah. Don't have yeah. Uh, illusions of grandeur, Absolutely. which I probably definitely did as I was a, yeah. as I was a youngster. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting though. Like you brought up Madison Square Garden, and it, it, like I mean, yes, that's definitely an iconic arena in the u.s but i don't hear many people in the u.s saying like that's that's their aspirations to play. <laughs> I, think, I think that's because we've just watched michael jordan's yeah it's a pretty much it's for basketball mainly but they'll also bring in like wrestling boxing mma you know all that fun stuff yeah, um, it's, it's just just like wembley right yeah yeah pretty much but you know it's like a lot of the independent musicians here in the u.s they talk about wanting to play like red rocks or someplace mm -hmm. like you know so it's just like I mean, Madison Square Garden still has that iconic appeal just because it's got the established lineage that it does. Because I mean, yeah, so many 
musicians have played there, but there are so many bigger venues now in New York where it's like, oh, I'd rather go play Barclays because I can fit three times as many people, you know. Yeah, totally. You know, we still it, want to play Madison Gardens, though. Yeah. <laughs> What's our definitive? That's our, that's our next shot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, though? It, it, it's still, like, I mean, it, it's kind of like one of those things where when I was growing up, there's this – where I grew up, I grew up in Chicago, and on the south side, there was a smaller venue called the Allstate – yeah, it was called the Allstate Arena, which <clears> is, like, you know, like – it would bring in decent sized bands. And one day I went there and it was just kind of like, wow, I'm getting to see this band that I've loved for so long play at the Allstate Arena. But the Allstate Arena wasn't anything special compared to everything else that's going on in Chicago. You know, so it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's interesting, like different people's perspective on what's considered uh like a goal i guess is where i'm heading yeah. that one yeah i think i think just in, in the you, you hear about madison gardens all the, all the time in the uk just with um big gigs but um i think yeah. our like our desired sort of you know targets for us playing places would probably be more like festivals and stuff yeah. like that yeah and um, you know, play like I thought you were about to say Eminem World or something. When South by Southwest. Stagecoach. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot out there. I, I really like the vibe of playing festivals and being at festivals in general. So yeah. that, would be a, that would be a really cool thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, I thought for sure you were going to... I thought for sure you were going to say M&M World because when you said I was to play and then David held up the bag of M&Ms and I'm like... Oh, please say M&M World. Well, so there's, there's a big shop in, um, a big shop in, 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 um, in London, isn't there? M&M's. Yeah. Nice. And uh, Leicester Square. Maybe we can play there. The sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, festivals are... De- I don't know what the festivals are like over in the UK because I've never been over. But, like, festivals in the US, they're... They're just like even if you go to small ones, they're like the best time that you've ever been. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, the best time you've ever had. Like, we we go to this small one down in the uh, Florida Keys. It's like more of a bluegrass festival. We go every year in January. It's like our big kickoff to of the year, and there's never maybe more than twelve hundred people at this festival. But it is the absolute best time, just because we'll walk back and we know every band and every year they're like those regulars and because this will uh, this january will be our fifth year yeah. it's kind of like oh hey i remember you you know so we're you know there's the locals that go every year so it, it's kind of an interesting turnout you know? yeah no absolutely it sounds it i mean i guess i guess if it's i think sometimes festivals can get too big in a, in a sense yeah. Like just to the point that they're overwhelming. <laughs> the pressure's almost too good to have a good time. The walks are just crazy between like cars and campsites and and arenas and whatnot. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can have a great time at like the smaller festivals easily. It's all about the the atmosphere and everything, and um, you know, everyone just sort of kicking back. So yeah. So one thing I I 
we didn't really talk about earlier on in the uh, interview, but I'd, I'd kind of like to jump into it now is what was it about country music that drew you to it? Sure. So um, I can take the lead on this one. My mum was, um, my mum was like a, a country singer when I was growing up. So it's always, it's kind of the first music I was introduced to. Mm-hmm. Now, so she, she'd be singing um, things like um, Billy Joe Spears, um, Blank on the Ground. It's like, Come out, look out through the window, that big old moon is shining down. So she'd be singing like these classic country songs, thinking like Crystal Chandeliers, like by Charlie Pride. Mm. It's like, uh, oh, the crystal chandelier of the pins on the wall, the marbles. So that kind of lilt and that kind of melody and story. When you're a kid, you, you love stories. So um, kind of hooked me from the start. Then we kind of, um, then as as I grew up kind of in England, um, Britpop and Indies, very big music. Mm. So to, to, to get gigs, I, I went more probably into a, a, an indie vibe. Mm. And at the moment, what, what you see with our music is it's, is it's kind of a mix. It, it seems like a weird mix, but it's like a, a bit of an, an indie country mix. Yeah. Um, if you uh, if you listen to the EP, there's some country rock songs on there, and then there's some songs which lend themselves more for like an indie vibe, but have my vocals on on, on top of them. So yeah. we've kind of created a, a weird little sub genre in, in country or in, or in, or in indie, whichever side of the uh, of the map you want to fall on. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's through my mom, and then I got these guys as well. So Josh is more into kind of your know, like rock, classic rock kind yeah, of vibes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all sorts really, but um, yeah. I kind of fell into country just <laughs> through these guys, and um, you know, it was it was a bit like sort of uncharted territory for me. But um, but yeah, I, I think I bring sort of I I would say more kind of influenced by classic rock, <clears throat> alt rock, and stuff, and so. Just bring another set of influences to the table, um, but but yeah, um, I'm really enjoying sort of playing this style of music, and and again, you learn stuff that perhaps you wouldn't have as well, like um, sticking to sort of resting on your laurels or sticking to whatever genre it is. But yeah, it's it's very difficult actually in Manchester not to be not to let those sort of indie influences creep in because it's it's such a massive thing here still, and um, you know I, I think. I think we've been past the first wave, haven't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've seen a bit of a flattening of the curve, but uh, yeah, um, indie's, indie's not dead. That's <laughs> one thing we um, one thing we like to stick to though is even though we probably find ourselves in this kind of country rock genre um, slash indie, is is we'll try and stick to kind of our, our northern England roots as well. Mm-hmm. Like the one thing which doesn't sit right with me on, on the UK country scene. Um, which a lot of people do, is, is they start singing about trucks and blue jeans and cowboy yeah. hats, when really it's not it's not the culture that they grew up in. So it's yeah. almost as if they're trying to be a tribute act, which yeah. I, 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 I hate. So in, in our songs, you'll never hear us drinking about uh, singing about whiskey or bloody trucks, because that's, that's, that's for yeah. Texas, that's for, yeah. that, that's for like Tennessee, that's what you yeah. guys have grown up with. I haven't I, I, run it yet, so I'm not going to pretend like I have. But what I will sing about is is, is, emo, is emotion and uh, stories, which I think is the fundamentals of country. The other mm-hmm. stuff is just kind of the tourist stuff of country. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's uh, 
one of those deals where, especially in country music itself, people connect with the authenticity of the act. So like if you're, it's kind of the same in the same vein of hip hop, where if you're talking about things you have no experience with, people can kind of see right through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, I also think in England because if you go to Nashville, you are a tourist. So the, the, I, the people who the people who love country music kind of like that. So you can kind of weirdly sell it. But yeah. I but for people who are really into country, for people who have grown up with country, you can if someone's if someone's singing about drinking whiskey and macabre or whatever, and you've grown up in like London, it's just yeah. like yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not drinking. <laughs> I would definitely be interested to see how like I'm definitely paying attention or I'm definitely interested in paying attention to see how the UK kind of puts its own twist on the country music so there's like so you got like just your standard country and now like Texas red dirt country starting to become a thing and then grunge country, you know, and all this stuff. I'd be, I'm really interested in really paying attention to see if we get like a UK country. Like, I don't know what specifically would be called because UK country just sounds like, oh, it's country music in the UK. Yeah, like, well, it needs to come. It needs Brexit to, country. It needs to come from a. It needs to come from a, a real place. It can't come mm-hmm. from a copied place. And I think that's kind of. I'm not saying we're the start of it because we're just a small country band in, in, in the UK, but we're, we're trying we're trying to be real about it. We're not we're not trying to copy people. So in indie country, that's the stuff we play. I don't think anyone else plays it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because everyone else is trying to copy big American artists who who are successful. Mm-hmm. But I think if you want to be genuine and real, then you can't copy anyone or you can't start singing about. Uh, feelings that that you don't have or mm. situations that you haven't grown up in. It's it's not. It's, it's a tribute to country. It's not. Yeah. It's not being a country artist. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's one of those things. If I can kind of pass, keep because I keep trying to pass this on to musicians. Don't feel like you have to conform to what everyone else is doing because the second everybody starts sounding the same, there's no individuality in it, and like. Yeah. You know, the second anytime anybody makes it big, they get the big record deal and it's like, oh, I'm getting paid millions of dollars to do this. They automatically jump into this overproduced, yeah, yeah, overproduced music and it sounds terrible. And it's like, I didn't, I don't, and that, I think that's where the term people selling out comes into play because it's like, you know, six months ago you were playing this music that was real and authentic and it was you there in the moment and now you've got this overproduced music that's just like yo this isn't this isn't cool you know you get what i'm saying yeah that's the irony of it really that's like a hallmark of success and it's sort of one of the things you aim for and it's changing now what with how flexible the the music industry's been and and how obviously the 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 way it has worked has been shown to like not work really yeah. for the musician but yeah. you you kind of hit that point and you think great we we we've done something great here. we've made it so to speak and then suddenly you are sort of stripped of your creative freedom and your your originality almost so yeah um, yeah I think I think there's going to be a bit of a paradigm shift as far as yeah. 
and I, I'm but probably going to get food. Uh, indie sort of labels and stuff. I mean, I suppose what it is already. Absolutely. You know, and I'm probably going to get crucified for saying this, but I've been waiting so long to say this, but I blame Taylor Swift. <laughs> she, she started off as this, like, indie artist and really made her name being, like, acoustic, and then she made it, and then she started playing overproduced music, and it's like... Yeah, yeah. Kind of became a meme of herself. But... You know that that's my opinion of the whole fact. Um, yeah, I mean you've got to she's got to evolve, haven't you? And I think Taylor Swift has sort of made her own thing of it as well. She she's definitely got her own sort of um, DNA in, in her music to some extent, but is very much coerced by the powers that be. So uh, that's the, I think I just made Rachel mad at me. Oh well, <laughs> she's she's in the uh, in the thread hitting the uh, mad face right now. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> oh but should we um should we play you a song that we've um wrote in, in lockdown again I, i'll just play it if it was um i'll just play the devil in the distance yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this, this is um, this is an example of very early song so okay. this is this is literally got four chords so i i i write a song and then i let the other band's members kind of um Take it over, but this is a bit of a dark one. Take it away. Here we go again. I'm down, dark, two for one. Tackles four to five, and it's ten. And I've done it again. See, I've seen the night sky more than the sun. I've seen the bottom of a beer can more than my mom and I heard words that were never spoken. I've never been perfect, I've not been close to hear angels sing. But if there is a sin to love, at least hell will let me in. Sit by the warmth of the fire and feel the pain on my skin. If this is the price of love, then take my heart and throw me in. I see the devil in the distance, well, he's as calm as you like. Well, if he is our cupid, I stop the fire burning bright. Cause I've seen the night sky more than the sun, I've seen the bottom of it be again more than my mom and I've heard words that were never spoken. Because I've seen the night sky more than the sun, I've seen the bottom of it be a can more than my mom and I heard words that were never spoken. So here we go again. I'm down, died two for one, tackles four to five, and it's ten. And I've blown it again. So that's like uh, that's kind of an example of how basic a song is when I when I start off the song. But as long as the vocal melody's there, then 
I'll get these guys involved and um, and we'll make something really special out of it. So I, I imagine that song being it's very short, but then at the end of it, it's gonna go like just with instrumentals, it's gonna go like mm. it's gonna have an orchestral. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I, – I, compared to the first one that you played, this one I can definitely hear as more of a full band. Like, I, I can hear the differences because, like, that first one to me, it was like, okay, this is meant to play acoustic. Maybe you get somebody on the cajon in the background and just, like, add a really soft percussion. This one, it was like, no, I hear this one more as a full band. But – and so, you know, that's that's cool. just my perspective. I don't know if that's 100% what you were going for. Or what you, the yeah. first one you said it was, but, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll just see what happens. I mean, we're, we're, kind of, we're like the easiest going guys. Yeah. Are we? We'll just see. <laughs> just see I kind of like recording stuff like, yeah. like that and looping it and adding bits and seeing what works. So <laughs> I've, I've constantly, like, messed around with that sort of full progression in Pro Tools and stuff and added bits so and it, I think it's got a lot of potential to sort of expand on so yeah. uh, I think that song's going places yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. fun it's definitely all really yeah. good it's you, you know I'm really excited to hear your new stuff like the stuff that you haven't even recorded yet it's like oh, there's loads you know. there's, there's loads of it um, so the, the, the stuff that came out on that EP is like a backlog so there's mm-hmm. some songs which I wrote when I was like 16 years old Okay. Um, so if, if you enjoyed the EP, then great. But you know, it's we we just needed it to be out there, and then the yeah. new stuff that we've got coming up is, I would say, tenfold better than anything on on the EP. So nice. Hopefully, yeah. you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's cool that you went out and got it professionally recorded, and it's like stuff that people are familiar with, because it's like now you have something to go show promoters like this is you these are what you would consider our quote-unquote classics like people like people that have been following us for a bit know us for um because we've been playing them for so long and then as you get like singles out or another ep out it's like but this is our new stuff and i think like the hook is the current ep that's out but then the the sledgehammer that drives it home will be the new, you know. So I think, it's really, I think it's really interesting the way you're doing things. Is the hope to is the hope to kind of go into an LP at some point, or do you kind of like staying in the lane at EPs? Uh, I mean, I think music in, in England, especially, is like fast fashion. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll just be from here on in until anything big happens. Unless anything big happens, um, not until that was kind of positive. Until until something big is, is going to happen, <laughs> no, but until it, unless anything big happens, um, we'll keep. We'll, we've got a backlog, and now we're just going to drip the kind of singles or maybe two track. Um, what's a two track thing called? Is that? I mean, it, if it's a single. Okay. The B-side, then it will be. A, a, uh, anyway, so. yeah, we we'll, we we'll just keep um, we'll just keep on releasing singles unless we get unless something bigger. <laughs> so um, we have a backlog that we can hopefully get better gigs with, um, hopefully some festival spots, and then just um, drop singles in every every now and again. Hopefully every six months is, is my every kind of four to six months. As far as a single goes or as an EP goes? Uh, single. Okay. Um, That's cool. Like I said, we've, we've all got full-time jobs, so it's not something we can really dedicate. Well, 
we'll change that it, it made it difficult recording i think just yeah you know, being on weekends only essentially you know a few hours in the evening with the with the tracking process for the, the ep so uh yeah that does definitely kind of limit the pace at which we can record but you know obviously we're messing around with sort of demos and stuff at the moment so i think we'll, we'll most likely be going in with a bit of a sort of a head start compared to maybe where we have worked with the, the with the previous set of songs but yeah i think just keep them coming sort of steady really mm -hmm. and then maybe you know it'd be nice to do an lp um some point and uh but <laughs> We'll see how things go. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, before we uh, start wrapping it up, do you have one more song that you can close with once we get closer to the end here? Uh, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll find a song. Yeah. Maybe something that's on the uh, maybe something that's on the current EP. Yeah, we'll do um, we'll do. Why don't you listen? Which is the title track. Okay, cool. Uh, but when you guys aren't playing music or working, what do you what do you do? to relax or get away or uh well josh drinks and i um i i play sports i'm big into football that's what my kind of nine to five job is around so um i work in live streaming football matches oh nice um soccer matches for whatever you guys call it whatever. no i knew i knew where you were going <laughs> <laughs> although um, you did throw me off a little bit because i saw that the cup you were drinking out of with was a kansas city uh, chiefs cup yeah yeah well, and so I, I was just i was sitting there i was like i think he's talking about soccer but my, i could be my wrong sister, my sister lives out in kansas so um my brother-in-law is um I went, I went to see them but he there's like a big army base in yeah. Kansas or on on, on, on Kansas. I've, I've, been, I've lived there for like a week. I, I should know what it's called, but I forgot what it's called. So um, I've been lucky. Like the last two years, I've been able to get out to America for like two weeks. Since the first time I went to, first time I went to uh, New Orleans, uh, Nashville, uh, Nashville, and then into Houston in Texas. Mm -hmm. And the second time I went from Kansas to St. Louis. Uh, down into Nashville uh, and to Memphis. Okay. So um, I, I've been able to go to like the, the big places in America for music, which um, was something on my on my to do list. But yeah, when, when I was in Kansas, I managed to go to a nice. go to the. I didn't even go to a, a game. I went, I went to like the store. Yeah. I was <laughs> um, gonna say like if you if you went to a Kansas City Chiefs game, that means you were here during the fall or winter, which means you're very brave because especially up in Kansas City, there it's like. Yeah, come like October, November. It was it was it was in October because my, oh. my birthday my birthday is on the thirteenth October, and uh, I was in Nashville for my birthday, which was which was re a really cool experience. Gotcha. So um, it was just a bit before that. Yeah, and I take it somebody's a NASCAR fan because I've been looking at the NASCAR <laughs> sign. That's, uh, that's from Kansas as well. That's oh, okay. uh, that's that's the speedway. In, I actually went to a, a NASCAR thing. They're, they're extraordinary. Yeah, like, uh, uh, the, the how how loud it is. Actually, you, you don't realize how loud it is mm -hmm. until yeah. you've been there. That's the thing. Sometimes you just you can't can. do it justice until it, yeah. like in, until you're actually in the arena. Yeah, um, that was that was insane. Like uh, we managed to, I think it's called tailgate. So we we rented a pickup truck and we had a barbecue on the on the, on the pickup truck, and it was all kinds of fans, and everyone was really surprised that we were English and we were there. 
Um, but yeah, that was that was that was really cool. That was insane. Yeah. And outside of the um, stadium, there's just loads of people giving away free shit. Yeah. So I managed to pick up this like huge sticker. Yeah. <laughs> so I just stuck it on my wall. Why did you put it there? Uh, there's a hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that hole was there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, very yeah, I punched a hole in the wall. That's why I was a bit angry. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know it's always funny. Like you go to those things, and there's just always people handing out free promotional stuff. You know, yeah. there's one guy I went to a down in Florida, Daytona, where the like the big racetrack is down there. Yeah. There's a guy raffling off like a hood of a car like the hood of a, <laughs> but it w- it wasn't like an actual hood it was like a like a 116th to scale model or whatever and yeah. i'm sitting there and i'm like what kind of scam is this like because it's just <laughs> some guy on the side of the road just with this on a cart like selling raffle tickets for a couple bucks and i'm like okay takes yeah. all sorts really yeah um, but, I would go back to I would definitely go back to NASCAR. Um, it's fantastic. I've managed to go to a Houston's a Houston Astros baseball game as well, and that was okay. that was after they won the World Series. So it was the first game back. I think that was like in 2018. Okay. So that was that was quite an experience as well. Um, need to go to a basketball game now that we watched there. Now that we watched the last dance. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna go to a basketball game. Go to one of the, I don't want to say established teams, but like if you're going to go, go to like a Knicks game where yeah. it's in the Aust- or in the uh, Madison Square Garden or go to a Bulls game, you know, where they got like where one of the uh, uh, stadiums are like legendary, so to speak, yeah. um, because those are just like the most unique experiences. Like I went to a Chicago Bulls game in 2006 like I growing up in Chicago you think I'd have been to a whole bunch of Chicago Bulls games but it was just nothing that we ever did because growing up during the Michael Jordan era tickets were always so expensive yeah wasn't like something that you could just do at any given point um and then after he left I finally went to a game with a buddy of mine and it was just like dang this is the crazy experience craziest experience I wish I would have went to Morgan you know yeah. So, but it's just funny that you said you went to an Astros game after everything they they've been put through the last six months or so with their cheating scandal and all. That yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. I, I was still going through when they were cheating. <laughs> That's funny. You probably caused it. All day. <laughs> you probably saw them cheat. They had this. Uh, they had this train, which when, when anyone scored a whole run, it was this like little train which went around the track. <laughs> Like so this, I was thinking like this would only happen in America. Like at football, at one of our football matches, if there was like a train yeah, going down the side of someone's car. Yeah, that's funny. I love that. It was, it was great. But yeah, that's funny. Um, so they, so you're into sports, and Josh, you're more into drinking. Drinking. <laughs> yeah, that's um, you know, that's my much beloved hobby. Um, no, I, I like sports as well. I uh, I can't. I actually lived in the states for a while and uh, sort of just like was solely into music for about three years. But I think um, coming back to to England and especially Manchester, I couldn't I couldn't avoid um, you know I couldn't avoid the, all the football sort of fanatics and stuff like that. So 
I've kind of fallen fallen straight back into it. So, uh, you know, a bit of football, a bit of gaming and whatnot. Um, but yeah, um, music and work take up pretty much 99% of my life anyway, I feel like. So. You've played a lot of Monopoly during lockdown. It's been a yeah, yeah, and Monopoly's like the other percent. I'm, I'm, currently, <laughs> I'm currently winning. We, we have like a league, so we take it very competitively. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm currently winning. I just want to put that on record just for our Facebook archives. I'm a close second, you know. I'm snapping at your tail. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what, what, you kind of cut out there for a second. What game did you say you were playing? Uh, Monopoly. Oh, Monopoly, okay. We have a, a virtual we have like a, board yeah. game thing on PlayStation that, that goes a lot quicker, it seems, than, uh, than the actual version. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had that when I was a, when I actually had a PlayStation, I sold mine about six years ago because I needed the money. And then it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to buy a new one, you know. And I don't really buy it. I wish I hadn't bought one, to be honest. Right. It's kind of, it, it did sort of write off the first few months of this year for me because I just spent it playing things. Yeah. <laughs> but you, so yeah. it's a Docker, a Docker game, it's like just constantly on it. Yeah. But you were constantly on it as well. It, that's it, not, that's it, not, it, not it exactly. wasn't Fortnite or something, so that's the risk that you run. Yeah. Um, you but I'm, I'm out of that phase now. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sitting here like, man, I, I was originally, I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to just kind of skip the PS4 and forget that it even exists and just kind of like, you know, take that time and just kind of work on live and amplified and everything else I got going on. And then maybe down the line, I'll get a PS5 or whatever the next gen console is. And then, of course, right at the end, tail end of the PS4, as the PS5 is getting ready to come out, they announce the Tony Hawk remaster. Yes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dang it, now I'm going to play the PS4 because I really want to play the Tony Hawk remaster. And then Call of Duty, the Call of Duty Warzone has my interest, and it's like, okay, fine, you win. I'll go get a PS4. I mean, I think I think a lot of people are, are buying them or snapping them up now, aren't they? As well, what with lockdown and stuff, or already have probably. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of, it kind of would be a shame to to be without one in this household, especially. But um, yeah, yeah, every dog has its day. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, let's hear uh, one last song here. Really quick. Yeah, we'll, we'll play. Um, so this is one of the first songs I ever wrote. Um, there might be a pick. The pick's probably moved in the flood that I caused just before the call. Is this sticky? No, it's okay. So yeah, this is um, this is why don't you listen? It's the title track of R.E.D. And it's it's a song about. Um, I've always been one of those people who like struggles to uh, without sounding too lame. To, who like struggles to put their feelings across too much. Um, I'm really bad at words. I think it comes not singing wise, hopefully, but like speaking wise. I think it comes. It stems from the fact that I couldn't. I had a stutter when I was a kid, so things just they seem difficult when they come out of my my mouth. Mm. Um, but easier, when you sing. But easier when, when I sing them. So this is about hopefully like 
kind of tell, kind of trying to tell someone that you like them by your actions without actually telling them you like them because you're just not good at that. And it's about why doesn't this person listen to you when you've given them all there is to hear, but not like physically here, but action-wise. So um, it goes, uh, it goes like this. <coughs> Looking at the stars, beginning to wonder why we do the things we do. Small, the small is what we really are. We can't even see that far, but we'll give it a go. listening right now or who's tuned in after this because I know it's quite early for, for everyone if you want to listen to that kind of stuff that that song's out now on Spotify mm. and just go on boxes uh that just just go on the Facebook page <laughs> and just find it on the bloody Facebook page <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst person at marketing as the band ever this is why I need the help of, of, of a person like like Rachel now. yeah great yep that love Rachel. She's been helping us out. She's been inter- really putting us into the uh, UK country scene. So got a lot of love for her. And 
appreciate all the help she's had. And when she messaged me about y'all that, that you were interested, originally she had asked, I think, about something during the weekday. And it's like, yeah, that six-hour difference during the weekday ain't going to really work because it's like I still work my nine-to-five. You guys still work your nine-to-five. So by the time I get off of work, it's probably one or two in the morning your time. Hmm. you know so it's it's always interesting it's like yeah let's keep it to the weekends and then she brought up the 10 a.m and i'm like okay <laughs> well, well, let's make i'll we make that work you know i was surprised i was like well hang on this text i could have i could have delayed if, if i'm honest um if, if, yeah if it would have been better for you to do later then we, we probably could have done later i know that makes like Literally no difference now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's really not that bad. Like, cause the with the rainstorm that hit last night, I didn't hardly get any sleep, anyways. Just because what the way my house or the way my apartment sits, it's like anytime it rains really bad, it's so loud in here that it sounds like an airplane's about to take off. Yeah. And so it's is that just a like microphone in front of you. Is that is that a microphone? Yeah, it's a mic. Yeah, I've been thinking it looks like a, it looks like a, an, an energy drink. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah, a it's a I have I have this one, it's uh blue, blue and white, and then I have one back here that's uh black and red. I almost yeah. swapped I almost swapped out for the black and red one just to kind of change it up because everybody this is the one I primarily use. But this is also our oldest mic, so it's just kind of like, meh. I like so what, it. What, what brand is it? It's uh, an MXL 990. Okay, I, I've, I've not had <laughs> this before, actually. An XL, yeah. we said. Yeah, it's an MXL. And so they have, like, their MXL standard, and it doesn't have yeah. the LED light in it. It's just kind of oh, okay. the same. Right, right. So the MXL 990 standard is just, like, a straight mic, and then they – as like the live streaming and podcasting craze started taking oh, over. Let's see, yeah. So they Take made these, there. and it's essentially the same mic. They just have two little LEDs. Like the LEDs don't take any power or anything away from it. So it's right. not, you know, so just like visually speaking, it just looks cooler. It does look cool. Yeah. It does look cool. <laughs> and Ready. actually, one thing that I really want to try and accomplish with this mic is find like a really good blues musician and use this mic and light it because so like we do our recording and then we do like the video so we'll do like live video recordings with good good audio and what have you so i want to take this mic and make it look like this mic is the only thing lighting the entire video so like make it really dimly lit and really blue yeah, um, I just haven't found the right musician to make it work yet. You know, it's <laughs> like that's the big hang-up. You know, sweet. That sounds sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's it, it's been a really awesome couple of years. Last actually, the last year or so, ever since we started um, primarily using MXL by itself just like all the cool products that they have you know we're not sponsored by them or anything yeah. <laughs> but you know we we decided a couple of years ago that it was like okay we we need to like sponsorship is a way that we need to go and so if we could start building some sort of brand loyalty to certain brands like sponsorship would be a lot easier yeah and so absolutely. mxl it was just like one of those mics where it's like they're super affordable 
but they give you the quality and then they actually like entice you to modify their mics if you see something like you can mod their mics a little bit so that that was kind of an interesting twist yeah i suppose that's uh, a bit of a usp there actually yeah bit of a niche kind of area but uh, but that's cool i'll have to look into them some more because uh, yeah it's uh, new to me but uh, yeah. nice one Good luck with the, the potential future sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you sure that you're not sponsored? Just, I mean, it sounds like you might be sponsored already. Nope, not sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> But, we we, uh, we try we, we, we try and have a hashtag when we play, so um, we get everyone to a hashtag of beers with boxes, because um, that's uh, that, 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 that's the thing which we try and do on, uh, yeah. on Twitter. Who came so, up with that? that uh, Mike Gardner, who's got Mike some Gardner, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, four days if you want to check him out. We're <laughs> <laughs> no. sponsored by Mike Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> He'll bring a, bring a big bag of, bag of cans around every every week for the uh, the payment in kind. That's all right. Uh, but um, yeah, as we kind of uh, work our way towards the end here, I, I want to thank you all so much for giving us the time. Like this went a lot longer than I anticipated. I originally thought it was going to be like a forty-five minute interview, and it's been almost double that. So it's you know, <laughs> that's it, always the case. Yeah, us. yeah, we, we found that. <laughs> yeah. We just talk like the crap. <laughs> Stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, you know, but, you know, it was a good interview, good conversation, so I'm really happy with it. Um, one of the uh, big questions that we like to leave with is kind of, we ask it very vaguely, but I, I think you guys will have fun with it and kind of answer it in your own unique ways. But why music? Uh, wow. I kind of, uh, for me, uh, it's not, it's not a, it's not a matter of why, it's um, it's kind of, it's a need for music. Um, I think everyone has the kind of escapisms. Um, I've got a couple, which I'm quite lucky with, so I've got like sport and I've got music. But um, it just helps you kind of dis disconnect for a second. I think some, like if you're a person who's constantly connected, who's constantly uh, stressing and worrying about things, um, then you need something like music or you need a release like, um, sport or something like that so like i'm in quite a stressful job but everyone always said i'm very i'm a very chilled person and i put that down to having music in my life and um if there's a gift that my family's given me um which i'm you know which i'm, I'm most pleased with it wouldn't be something like materialistic like a car or whatever it'd be the fact that they uh, they showed me music from a young age because it's uh because I've, I've needed it in life, and uh, it's always it's always been there when I when I have needed it or when I've called upon it. Um, so it's not why it's um, there's no why. There's, there's there's just a need for it in, in my life. But um, I'll pass over to um, yeah, to there is there is no trying when you do with music, career. <laughs> Stop trying to make yourself sound more profound. Mine was mine was profound. I'm joking. I'm joking. A sample of my yeah. Um, I I my parents actually kind of actively tried to. Um, sort of give me a, a musical upbringing, I suppose, but I was a bit more stubborn. So <laughs> I remember having a little acoustic guitar knocking around the house from from really, really sort of young age. And I'd, I'd mess around with it, but never never got seriously into it, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, I don't know what happened to that, but I got a guitar for my 18th birthday. And um, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of as a result of, becoming really interested in 
in music um, from a performing or, or recording or writing sort of standpoint. And um, I think that the, the thing that changed it all for me, the album that changed it all for me was Franz Ferdinand's uh, self-titled uh, debut album. And, um, you know, I, it, was, it was very popular at the time and I, I would hear it on the radio and think this is the most kind of awe-inspiring music. It, it just kind of gives me a feeling that nothing else really has, has kind of come close to. And um, I, I think the, the, my foray's music was to, to kind of try and um, sort of encapsulate that sound and try and make something that is uh, inspiring and encouraging uh, to that extent to, to other people as well. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's part of it for me. And, and also it's just great to have like a, you know, a specific channel of expression, I guess. Um, I'm not a very outspoken person, really. Um, so, so music is, is a great way of actually getting sort of some some feelings and moods and, and stuff into another kind of form of communication, almost. So, it's like a, an emotional kind of release as well, like uh, David was touching on. So, so yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um, and then just so that the rest of the band doesn't feel left out, uh, could you kind of uh, fill everybody in? I think we talked about this at the beginning, but uh, what's the rest of the makeup of your band? So we've got, um, we've got James Saunders on drums, who's he's a fantastic drummer. Um, he went to the same university as me. And a uh, fantastic guy, fantastic drummer, and also is very kind of technically involved in the band. Mm. So um, we've been putting, recently we've been trying to improve our live performances by having, because um, we, we don't have like a dobro player in the band, but we've mm. got kind of the recordings from our EP. So um, we've had to change from being a strictly live band to kind of um, playing towards a click when we play live, just to try and up our, up our kind of performance levels. Mm. And then that's allowed us to, um, include samples in our live performance as well, just so we actually sound like the EP that we're playing. So James has been instrumental in um, kind of pushing that along. He has on his drum kit, he's got like a a machine, like a sample, like a sample uh, machine, yeah, and he can cue in cue in all of these other instruments that we are playing live. Um, uh, so he's he's great. Um, he actually drums for like a couple other people in Manchester as well. So we actually call him Manchester's drummer. <laughs> Because he can't say no to playing drums, but I think I think that's that's fantastic to have because yeah. he's he's that involved he's, in his um he's got a lot of energy. Hasn't he's he? got he's just, so much energy. He's just relentless. Yeah, and he's uh, instrumental as well in getting the band together during this lockdown as well, playing games um, together. Um, and then we've got Tom. Tom uh, grew up in the same small town in the Lake District as me, and when he moved to Manchester, I said um, you're going to be in, in the band. He's he started off as not a very confident person on bass um, because he hadn't really played live before. So, but over the last year or so, he's he's just he was always he's great awesome. on bass. Yeah, he was always great on bass, but playing it live, uh, he kind of he was a bit nervous. But he's, mm. he's blossomed and he's a uh, he's he's a great guy. Uh, like Josh was saying, he's kind of our sex appeal in the band. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 the most photogenic person you'll he you'll is. ever meet. Yeah. If you go onto our page on uh, on Facebook, there's there's a few pages of him, and if there's any if there's any ladies or men out there who uh, who like to talk about an attractive guy, then um, get across to our Facebook page and just check him out. <laughs> I've got a little bit of a man crush on him. I'm sure Josh does. 
And Tom, you will also have a man crush on him when you uh, when you check out his photos. <laughs> he's stunning. He should be a model, really. I mean, <laughs> he's yeah. a model. I mean, if he leaves the to become a model, I will have to hold my hands and say it was always going to happen. It was just, it was just, it was just a matter of time. But um, yeah, that's that's the rest of the band. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm glad we went. I'm glad I asked such a simple question just to get a such a complex answer that was, that was perfect that's how you can sum us up yeah that's what we do this is my so podcast it, never say in 10 words what you can say in a thousand <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any hopes of adding a lap steel player just so you mm -hmm. don't have to bring in the set yeah. okay um but in 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 the uk not many people take up lap steel if okay. you had to get a lap steel to, to join you on an, on an EP, it would cost you, it would cost us a small fortune. So um, getting them in a band and getting them dedicated to one band is, is, is a challenge. Oh, just but um, if, the, if the right person comes along, then sure. Okay, cool. I think it's quite a tight knit sort of like where I think we're friend, friends first, bandmate second. And, yeah. and um, I think, you know, we want someone who would they'd have to like really gel with us, I think, first and yeah. foremost. You know, it's, it's not kind of, there's, there's not a great sort of surplus of uh, um, lap steel and vibro players, etc. So yeah. when you're playing music, you want, uh, for me, I want to enjoy every second of it. And mm -hmm. if, you, if you can play music with three other people who are your mates first on, on a stage, then it's a lot more fun than playing music with kind of just musicians as such. Because yeah. um, the second it the second it starts becoming a job, yeah, and uh -huh. the second you stop enjoying it, which is when you forget why you're there. Like if you're not enjoying it originally, because for whatever reason, then you know. That's a that's a great point. People always ask um, ask me because um, I, I can make money off singing. Um, I sing. I get asked to play like weddings, singing people down the aisle, and all that kind of jazz. And they always ask me, like, why are you still working in, in, in a kind of a job? Which I do like my job, yeah. but why are you doing that when you could be doing music full time? And it's exactly that point. Um, if I was doing music full time at this present moment in time, I would have been making as much money as I am in my current job. Then that will be stressing me out. And then I will start thinking about money before, uh, instead of the love for music. So yeah. for me, if music's not something I'm enjoying, then I don't want to be a part of it. It's like anything in life, if I'm not enjoying it, life's too short you, you, should, you should just get you know good if you're not enjoying anything you're like if you're not enjoying making these podcasts then you should stop making them because if it's making you unhappy then, <laughs> then um it, you just don't need that you, you know they shouldn't pass where someone's making you unhappy yeah, and that's, that's kind of my mantra in life yeah <laughs> and it, you know that's kind of something that you, it's funny that you pointed out podcasting oh. in particular and it's like this will be my last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. You know, it's uh, like I keep telling myself, like, I, I keep at, like, if there was a point there where I was like, man, why do I keep doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned, I'm very analytical and I like looking, I like seeing the numbers. And there was a point there where we weren't getting hardly any number, you know, and so I'm just sitting there, I'm like, man why am i still doing this like nobody's listening nobody's paying attention and then i think it was about six months ago somebody was like hey man or no 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 it, this was over a year ago at this point um 
they called me specifically and they're like, Hey, we've been listening to your podcast for a while. Um, we have a band in Nashville and they want you to be their first podcast to promote their EP. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I was like, let me, at this point we weren't doing anything online. It was all in person interviews. And I was like, well, I think I can make it to Nashville this weekend. And she's like, well, what would it take to get you here? And I was like, well, I mean, it's only a seven, like, because at the time I was living seven hours. I lived about seven hours from Nashville. Yeah. Um, and I was like, honestly, just a few more bands to kind of get either more podcasts or jam sessions or whatever to make it worth the trip. She's like, okay, I'll do that. I'll help you out. And so within 24 hours, it's like, I had their podcast and then like a whole bunch of other stuff booked and I'm like, okay, apparently people are listening. Like if somebody wants me to be their, their podcast, their interview to promote their new EP or whatever, like they're asking yeah. me specifically, I'm doing something right. So no, and I think it's, I think it works the other way around as well. If I'm, I'm one of those kind of, I'd like to think I'm a positive person. And I, if I see another musician who's posting stuff, I'm not one of those musicians who, who won't like the post because it's kind of like, it's like, oh, if I like this post, it might look like he's getting more likes than me and all this kind of yeah. bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I will share music. I think our Instagram page yesterday shared four pieces of, of new music which came out, which um, just brand new music. And I think you need that support network. In the UK country scene, it's still very small, especially on a local level, but I think you have that support, which uh, which is another reason why I like being part of it. If you release some music, there'll always be someone who's happy to share it. There'll always be someone who's happy to listen. There'll always be someone who's happy to uh, review it, etc. Um, and I think you need that support network. And it's probably similar to yourself um, in, um, in in podcasting. You've, you've got to have a, a network of people who are, who are willing to listen. And it's probably not helping them today, so it's... Um, probably like approaching 6 a.m. for you and uh, it's still in early morning on a Saturday when people have lions but um, it, yeah just if you just keep on doing what you're doing I'm, I'm sure you'll be noticed even more and, um, building yeah. that network out because networks are the most important thing in anything it's all about who you know instead of kind of you tap the talent that you have yeah. which is um, which is horrible to, to think of it <laughs> but it's, it's true yeah absolutely and which bring which brings it to a nice uh, closing point that I always like to try and make whenever somebody brings up a network uh, building out a network is make sure you don't burn any bridges mm-hmm. because you you know it's especially like we we'll kind of stick on the UK country scene it's such a small scene you never know who you might be opening for tomorrow like. Yeah you know, or you never know who you could be working for tomorrow. Like the guy that you just had a huge blowout or a falling out with could be your boss in six months, you know, or however you want to look at it. So it's, uh, I've kind of, within the last three or four years, I've kind of taken that perspective to make sure I don't burn any bridges, make sure if, yeah, okay, this person's mad at me for one thing, I at least make sure they're not, like scorched earth just like okay i'm sorry you know whatever um Mm -hmm. so just kind of make sure all your relationships even if it's like the end of the relationship they end 
Yep, there you go. <laughs> it, it, I got the big fat Midwestern tongue. I can't say certain words. So. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of a nice way to end it all. Um, where can everybody find you on social media? Where can they find you? Find the new music, uh, the new EP, and then the even newer stuff as it becomes available. Yes, yeah, so you can find us on all the social medias, so that's the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, all at um, Boxes UK. So B O X E S U K. Yeah. I was thinking. It, I was thinking. Is this is UK said and say when you say it just in letters? So I was like, <laughs> yeah, UK, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, and then you can find us. Uh, you can find us on Spotify if you just type in boxes, and then why don't you listen? Or yeah. boxes, electric lights, boxes, bad bones. It should come up on on, on Spotify as well. Um, yeah, we, we aren't on we aren't on TikTok yet, but we're we're, we're certainly thinking about it. Yeah, we've got I mean, some pretty good. That's how people get their music in the charts these days. It seems so. Uh, it's it's only going to be a matter of time until you see it stabbing away on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've tried to make TikTok work for me, and my stuff just is, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I see all these people with, like, simple cell phone footage, and I'm uploading, like, this high-quality footage, and it's like, man, why am I even trying to make noise on TikTok? Because, you know, you got these people that are taking 20 minutes to make a video, and it's just a single cell phone camera, and they're getting millions of hits. And I got this video that took me five hours just to shoot, <laughs> not, let alone edit. And it's like yeah. getting a uh, one thousandth of that. And it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's um, it's not as uh, as straightforward as it seems in that regard. For yeah. sure. Um, effort in sadly doesn't always equal results out. But um, I think you've got to be very lucky, actually as well uh you obviously you'll always see the highlights but um but yeah you, know, you don't see all the billions of other videos that didn't quite make it so yeah. um yeah but uh but good good luck in that um in that yeah well. yeah it's funny that you say that but you know we'll, we'll get there but uh <laughs> thank you again so much really appreciate the appreciate the time uh like you, you've been saying it's early for me i know it's early for y'all and you know uh, I appreciate you guys getting up this early to sit down and chat with me. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will see you all later. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview jam session. You know, it was fun, good times. Like I would mentioned, I was getting really tired there at some point because it was 4 in the morning, and everybody's like, you're a crazy person. And it's like, no, I'm just motivated. That's it. But like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I don't want to kind of run too long on these uh, in-between segments because we've got so much content to try and squeeze in. So we're going to just like quickly transition over into our what would be our normally our fan feedback artists. So I thought I'd switch it up this week. Um, we just started doing uh, like live Q&A type scenarios with uh, industry professionals. And that's what this next segment is, is our live Q&A that we did over the weekend with uh, Rachel Selleck of Scarlet River Management. You know, we'd been working together for a little bit now. Maybe, I want to say like a month or two, uh, we were introduced to each other. And she started introducing me to all the uh, musicians that she represents over in the UK. It's been a huge country influx, which I think we need. You know, international country, it's all good. It's all gravy. 
And so I threw an idea at her about doing a live Q&A type thing where we just talk about management, how you go about getting management, the importance of social media presence, you know, just like a lot of things that people that are looking for management should know. And so we talk about it here. And uh, let's, you know what, enough of me speaking, let's just jump right into it. Uh, here it is, our live Q&A with uh, Rachel Selleck of Scarlet River Management. First of all, I want to thank, we have a very special guest, uh, Rachel Selleck. She is, you're currently in Wales, correct? Yeah, I am. And uh, so you are a manager, or you own Scarlet River Management, which is in Wales, um, it's in Wales, correct? Or is it in the UK or in uh, London? England. Yeah, it's registered in Cardiff, Wales, yeah. Okay, cool. So we, we've been working together here for a little bit. Um, you know, you've put me on to some very talented UK country musicians, and we, we've been working together here for like, I'd say probably like the last month or so. Yeah, sounds um, good. And so I want to thank you for jumping on here and doing this live Q&A because, you know, one of the big things that we're trying to accomplish is really help musicians make sure that they're doing um getting in the business the right way and if they are looking for management they're looking for or they're getting the right representation for them and make sure everything's kind of a fit you know all that fun stuff so i really appreciate you taking your time on this sunday evening for you oh uh, nope. and just kind of sitting down and talking with us thank you for having me absolutely um, so let's first start off, uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. Um, so, I mean, background to me, I am actually not, my background is not in music at all. Um, I have a degree and a master's degree, um, in anatomy, um, and kind of medical sciences. Um, my full-time job is in neuroscience. I'm a research assistant at Cardiff Uni. Um, in Wales um, and yeah and I started this management company um, based on really like a re having kind of relationships and friendships with people in the country music scene so I met a guy at Country to Country which is our biggest um, country festival here in England in the UK um, and he became a really good friend of mine I started kind of promoting him um, just as a kind of a favor if I'm completely honest it was something that neither of us really understood um, so I just thought that, you know, using this, the kind of the things that I knew from the science industry, um, I would kind of use those, um, kind of qualifications and those kind of skills that I had and kind of implement them, transfer them into a setting in music. So that was doing all the emails and organizing events and things like that. And, and off the back of that, it just kind of spiraled and it was working. So we just kept doing it. And it's been about two and a half years since that now, um, and so Scarlet River came about um, I took on, you know, so I managed Danny um, McMahon and Kelsey Bovey. Um, I see Kelsey on the live stream, so hey. Um, and yeah, and just from there, really, it's just really grown. Like those guys are super patient with me. We're learning together. We're doing a lot of stuff, you know, learning about how to make it work, especially in kind of lockdown when there aren't gigs available. Um, so yeah, that's kind of background to why I'm here, really. Awesome, awesome. And um, anybody that's in the stream, listening, watching, uh, if you have questions, we will be taking questions in the comment section. So feel free to drop any questions you have. Um, so let's kind of just uh, jump right into it for the most part, because um, so what does a manager do for musicians? Like what's the yeah, what does a manager do? 
Good question. I think um, a lot of stuff, a lot of things. Okay. Um, really, it's it's kind of managing the day to day and with the artists and so working with them, finding out what works for their audiences, what works for their particular music. I think, you know, managing being a manager is different for every artist. It's not one size fits all. So something that works for one artist probably might not work for another one. Um, so it's kind of being able to kind of assess that situation, have really good relationships with your artists, you know, be able to talk to them about things like that, not just music related, because if you have a good friendship as well, you find that things work better and they flow better. Um, so, you know, I do things like the social media. So I work with the artists to figure out kind of how to approach social media, what content we need, whether it's video content, whether it's photography, um, whether it's a poll for a particular marketing strategy that we have. And then when they have music going into the studio, you know, being kind of a support network for them whilst they're doing that, working with the producer and then looking at release strategies, you know, how are we going to implement um, doing festivals, doing gigs, doing online streaming um, to kind of put everything, it's kind of the whole package, you know, making sure that everything works together um, to kind of enhance what, what the artists themselves are already doing. You know, it's not, it's not to replace what the artist is doing. Mm -hmm. It's to kind of amplify what they were already doing for themselves. Gotcha. And a lot of what you touched on, we'll kind of dive into deeper and ask specific mm -hmm. questions as we kind of move on. But um, just just so people don't think I'm asking questions that you've already answered, but we'll, we'll kind of dive in deeper on a lot of some of this stuff. Um, as far as on your perspective, what do you look for in a musician that you might be interested in representing? Um, I think first and foremost, you have to love their music. You have to be totally invested in it because one of the biggest parts for management is to promote that artist. It's to get that artist's music to a bigger audience as possible so you have to be able to talk about their music all of the time um, that's super important um, a good artist manager relationship is really important um, and I always look for someone that I might connect with really well so you know usually an artist might come to me or I might approach an artist and say I'm really interested in what you're doing, I'd like to know more. Um, and I like to know that the artist already has a vision for themselves and they're already committed to their music. Um, Cause it's really difficult for managers to come on board with someone that isn't actually super invested in what they're doing. They need to believe in themselves and then we can believe in them with them um, and push forward really. So I find, yeah, those are probably the, you know, the main things really is, is being really invested in their music in the first place, having a really good artist manager relationship. So being, you know, getting on really well with them, feeling like you could talk all of these things through and, and be honest and loyal and, you know, that kind of thing. Those are super important for me. Yeah. Awesome. And then do uh, like social, obviously like social, do social numbers matter to you? Like um, authentic engagement and followings and all that stuff. And how much of a important, how much of an impact does that have? For me, not so much. Um, I know that I, that is really important when you're kind of like growing up, going up the food chain, so to speak. Um, but for me, working with, you know, mainly independent artists that don't have record labels um, and they're the people that I'm super passionate about, you know, like for me, I don't think that their numbers are necessarily that important because that's something that I could come on board with and something that I could help. Um, to kind of enhance and promote so yeah for me that's not hugely hugely important and uh for 
for musicians that might be looking to build their social presence, what are some of the platforms from your perspective? I just kind of want to clarify that a lot of this is your perspective. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, what kind of social plat or what social platforms should musicians be really looking into that you find have been most successful for some mm -hmm. of your musicians? Good question. I think, again, it's artist specific. Um, but the ones that have really worked for the artists I work with so far um, are Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then pushing TikTok, actually. Um, and I say that because it's one of those platforms that isn't yet at the top. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have, if you're there from the beginning, and you can kind of slowly build a base around that once it blows up, it's already there. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and we're actually exploring Twitch as well at the moment, um, which is a gaming platform, but they've come on board um, as, and they've, there's a new company called Twitch for Musicians. Mm -hmm. um, and the quality of the audio that comes through is super, is, is really, really growing. So they're the kind of platforms that I'm using at the moment and finding that they are working. So. I didn't know Twitch was, I mean, I had kind of heard that Twitch was like, they were doing like virtual concerts through Twitch, like doing yeah. like through um, Minecraft or something. There had been some people doing like Minecraft concerts or something. Yeah. But I didn't know Twitch had opened up Twitch, Twitch for musicians. So that's, that's interesting. I'll definitely have to look into that. Um, yeah yeah it's um it's fun it's not one that i'd heard of either um but danny went to pennsylvania um in february and he um he came back to me and he was like oh i had this kind of seminar on twitch for musicians by the lady that's organizing and running the whole program um and said that it was something that we should really look into so we've started to and we're starting to kind of yeah push that forward and danny yes i've pushed danny to get on to tiktok nice. <laughs> so. yeah TikTok is definitely something we're looking into, but I haven't quite figured out the magic potion behind it because it's, no. <laughs> it, it seems like the the simpler the production, the more they respond to it. So like I'll put our live videos up or our live uh, performance videos up and they do all right. But if it's a like just something of me on my cell phone talking about something, those numbers do way better. So I'm trying to figure figure yeah. out tiktok it's about that it's, it's the same with all social media platforms it's about finding trends and it's it's an art in itself finding the trends that are kind of growing at that particular point and getting on board with them really quickly and then getting content out um because then people are super interested in what you're doing and they're already looking for that content um but yeah it's it's, it's a very new platform for me as well i'm trying to figure it out myself nice um so what's what what's your opinions on linkedin for musicians um i think it's one of those platforms that's really good for professional relationships mm. um so you know like as a professional um my my i've got my own personal linkedin the artists i work with have linkedin too mm. um and i find that it's really good for working um finding uh, people in the industry so it's not really a fan-based platform. It's more for finding those relationships with potential, like booking agents and labels and, and people like that. I think that's kind of where it is good to have it. And I think it's really important that it's always up to date because um, yeah. you just never know who's going to kind of drop by. Absolutely. And one thing that I found, at least for us on our, our end, as uh, it's been really good for finding potential sponsors. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, uh, 
when we when I first started using LinkedIn specific like because I've always had a LinkedIn back when they first started and it was literally just a job resume site. Um, And then I started incorporating the live and amplified stuff. And I realized that I could go like, so there's different companies we like working with. And I found that I can go search those companies and add people that work for them. Yeah. So I slowly started doing that with one company, MXL, which is the microphones that we'd love to use. And so I'd slowly started adding people and I was posting our content regularly and just by chance, their director of marketing saw it and was like, hey, really love what you're doing. Let's talk, you know, and so that's kind of it hasn't really resulted into anything official, but like we're having the conversation and we're building that relationship. So that's really cool. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree. That's kind of where it's, it's, it's a good platform for that. Definitely for making those connections, especially as a manager. That's something that I'm looking to do um, is finding other companies to connect with and make established relationships with. And then as you see off the back of that potential sponsorship and working together and programming that. Awesome. Um, and so we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit um, from the musician's perspective. What should, when they're sitting down to they're ready, they feel like they're ready to start looking for representation or management, what should they really be looking for as far as a manager goes? Okay, um, I think that they need to know what they want, what are their visions, what are their goals, and then looking for managers that they think would be able to give that to them. And that, And I think it's really important because it's not about going to the top and finding, you know, the best manager that's ha- working with the most successful artist. Because, yes, they might be able to make that artist successful, but it might be because of the music that they produce. You know, finding, you know, working with, I don't know, somebody's manager who's in the rock scene, for example, is not going to be the right manager for you if you're producing pop or country music. So that's one thing that's really important: finding those people that are really invested in the type of music that you do potentially in the right location as well. I mean, managers don't have to be in the same location, um, but you need to know that, you know, if you're pushing to a particular audience that they have access to that audience as well. Um, and somebody they're going to get on with, you know, it's okay to go and meet people and, and think that you don't, you don't click with them when you don't gel with them from an artist perspective and a manager's perspective, I think. Gotcha. Uh, and we're going to go to our first audience member question from Amberly, uh, do you think artists should pay management monthly or should they take a percentage or both? Okay. Um, I don't think that they should pay for management personally. Um, I do think that from a manager's perspective, you take percentage um, revenue um, on something that you are able to give the artist. Um, I do run a monthly program as well, um, but that's not for management, that's for other aspects. So potential press releases or marketing, um, social media, things like that. Um, But that's not, you know, that isn't purely management. So I don't think that from my perspective, um, I wouldn't ask an artist to pay for my management services, no. Gotcha, perfect. Um, And is that kinda how you can tell the difference between an authentic management or offer versus like a scam because i i at least on the tv and film aspect there are a lot of people that will offer you the gotcha contracts and they'll own you for like ever but is that kind of how you can tell the difference between an authentic or management offer versus a scam or what's kind of 
I think that's a that's a really difficult one to answer because I think you know if you were approached by a really big manager mm -hmm. who felt that in the future they could manage you and take percentage but at that particular time they just want to help invest in you mm -hmm. and then they might have something else to offer and an artist might go for that if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah um because I know that um for example, the guy that used to manage Taylor Swift, Rick Barker, he runs his own kind of artist management programs and webinars and things like that, which you can pay for. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that, and I've, I've been a part of a couple of them and found them really useful from a manager's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that if any artist took part in that, they'd find a lot of benefit in that too. Um, but, you know, for someone like me, who's quite an independent manager and, and new at this, there was, then if I approached an artist and asked them to pay for my management services, I don't yeah. think that that is, that's fair. I don't think oh. that's fair. So, Gotcha. Um, and just to kind of piggyback off of that um, a little bit, is there a way that you can kind of tell the difference between a scam and an authentic offer? Or I don't know. I mean, huh? I haven't seen that. I haven't okay. seen any scams, which I guess is a really good thing. Um, yeah. So, but I would hope that it would be quite obvious. And I think that once you delve deeper, you know, it's really important to look at the credentials and see, you know, if you find find their brand, find their website, their Facebook, you know, all their socials, have a gander, maybe even, you know, comments, find some of the artists that they're working with and, and, and ask them what they think, you know, before moving on and moving forward. So I think, I think if there was something really kind of uncertain, then hopefully you would find it for sure. Gotcha. Uh, and perfect. You know, it's just, it's just, I've been involved in some scams. So I kind of know that that's a, that's a thing that exists out there. You know, it's like people offering you like a distribution service, but yeah. they're taking like 95% of your money because, you know, so I figured I'd just throw it out there. Um, For a musician that's start getting ready to start looking for representation or management what should they start working on now to make themselves more appealing um i always say that a, so a good online social media presence is really important um especially in today's age especially because of the corona and the coronavirus and lockdown everyone is on social media you know a lot more than usual um so i think this is actually a perfect time if you're a new artist to get yourself out there to find new um, platforms to find new companies to kind of partner with and ask to be on their live streams because that's great you know there's so many companies in the UK and I'm sure there are where you are as well um, that are having artists on their Instagrams you know doing take takeovers doing Facebook interviews like we are now like mm -hmm. uh, you've done with the artists I work with so I think that's really important and I think it will be I think when this is over, there'll be a lot of artists coming out of the woodworks that we didn't necessarily know before because mm -hmm. they've really put their heart and soul into this period of time. Yeah. Um, so definitely doing that, you know, working on your original material, working on getting a really good recording of it. You know, it's okay. I think it's it's better almost if you take a little bit more time to invest in your music mm -hmm. um, and invest in the recordings and make sure that it's really good yeah. um, so that when it goes out there, you know, it goes out to a really good audience. You're really proud of it as well. Um, so things like that, you know, the motivation and the passion for what you're doing, that's really yeah. important. Yeah. And that they should be almost doubling down on their music right now because they have the time or have. Yeah, more I time. mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Danny and Kelsey have been doing a lot of co-writing 
um, with people that they wouldn't ordinarily have the time to co-write with. And they've been great, you know, artists from all over the place that we've made connections with from Canada and into Europe and Norway um, in the US as well. And I think this is a great time to do it because everyone's a lot more free. So it's easier to organize. Um, and you have no idea what's going to come out of that. You know, mm. it could be the next song. Who knows? Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've told a few different people and we've had this conversation. I think after this pandemic kind of clears and things go back to start getting back to normal, um, I think we're going to see another renaissance because we're like, as far as like an art renaissance, because, you know, we've had all these musicians that have been just kind of working not being able to not all of them have their own home studios or access to a studio. So they've been kind of quietly working on new projects. And once things start to open back up and they can get back into the studio, we're going to just see this massive influx of new music, which is really exciting for me. So it's, you know, it, and I'm sure we're going to start seeing people start garnering some attention, looking for management, which kind of spawned the idea of doing this because I don't, I haven't really seen a lot of live Q and A's with man, you know, with management. So it's, that's kind of how all this came together. Yeah, for sure. No, that sounds great. And I think you're right. And as a manager, that's something that you would kind of be looking for, I guess, after this period of time to see that an artist has really taken this time to invest in what they're doing. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm really excited for all the new music that will come out for sure. Absolutely. Um, and then kind of staying on the social media topic, um, can you tell if somebody has bought their following versus organically built it? I think so. Yeah, I do. Um, and the reason I say that is because it's really important to look at the engagement. So actually, if someone has less followers um, and less likes, for example, but the engagement is really good, then surely you know you can you can tell that 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 artist has invested the time into their fans and their audience to make them feel connected and as a result they've stayed on board and followed the journey of the artist whereas it's very obvious if you can see that a page has you know 10 12 000 likes but is getting like two posts and two interactions on every post that they do um same for spotify as well you can kind of get a little inkling into some of you know where people have paid for non-organic um, things and and speaking to other managers and speaking to promoters as well um, through the music managers forum who are a great um, managers kind of connect connection. Um, you, they were you know a lot of the kind of general consensus is that if an artist has less followers but is really driving the engagement, then that is kind of more preferable than having ten twenty thousand with with no engagement. Awesome, and so. I, I guess like one of the big questions that I've had, it's been kind of sitting in the back of my head is having management for every musician. Mm -hmm. uh, Can you say that again? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, is having a manager for every musician. Does every musician need a manager? I think that's up to the artist um, to make that kind of distinctive choice. Um, mm -hmm. I know, you know, loads of, artists who are doing incredibly well for themselves and don't have management they've done it all themselves um so i think it depends on the the individual what the individual wants whether they feel that it's something that they can do themselves and invest all the time and then they don't need one um so yeah i think it's it's each artist to make that executive decision cool um and then uh from your perspective again what's the difference between like good management and bad management 
<laughs> you might want to ask uh, Danny and Kelsey to answer that question. Um, <laughs> um, I, get, I think a good manager is kind of, I hope, um, is someone that possesses the, those qualities that we've already kind of spoken about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, investing in the artist's career, investing in their journey, investing as them as an individual and the music that they produce, um, being willing to go the extra mile for them, you know, and, but willing to listen to them as well. So, you know, if they have an idea that wasn't yours, okay, cool. Like it's gonna work. They know their audience just as well as you do. Um, so I think those are really important qualities. Patience is very important and I'm learning that all the time. Um, you know, especially we all, we all have different schedules. We're all doing different things. So being patient, being kind, being loyal, being passionate, those, I think those are really good. Um, as a manager, you don't wanna take over. And I think that's probably one that's a little bit more negative. So, mm. you know, it's the artist should should drive what they want, you know, and what the success that they want. And the manager should be on board with that. The manager shouldn't be taking an artist in a direction the artist doesn't want to go in, if that mm. kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And because I, I think one of the things that we probably should go over a little bit that a lot of people don't think about is it that there are different types of managers. So you have like your manager that manages your music, your thing. And then like, if you're touring, sometimes you'll have like a tour manager. Yeah. Can you kind of break down the different, different managers that one act might have and the importance of all of them working together and playing? Sure, well, I yeah. think from my kind of experience, um, a tour manager is someone that comes on board with as, as the name suggests, the touring aspect mm. of things. And so making sure that all the venues and, you know, every every tour date goes as well as it should. It runs as smoothly as it should, making sure everything's on time, everything is working correctly and in working order. And the manager is the one that then deals with the artists themselves and, and everything like that. I think it's really difficult to kind of, for me, it's, it's difficult to kind of put one in one category and one in another. Because mm. I think that for me at the moment, I've, just been working with the artists kind of on both um mm -hmm. so we don't have a separate tour manager okay um so i'm sure that you know there's probably different understandings of, of both of those and i wouldn't want to say something that was incorrect yeah, no, <laughs> so, understood. yeah so that's it, kind of the main distinction i guess so especially on the independent level it's not uncommon for your manager to also be your tour manager to kind of fill multiple roles no, I don't think so. That's what that's what I've done. Um, and that's what art, other artist managers that I know have done too. Um, so, you know, traveling around the country with them and making sure that the venues and the hire fees and the ticket sales and the schedule and, and everything, you know, from, from that check-in to the venue, but also before that. So, you know, the radio interviews and things that come before too. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, and just kind of throwing it out there as a reminder, if anybody has any questions, feel free to throw them in the comments below. Because uh, I know Nathan asked if I had pre-ordered Kelsey's new single. I have not yet, but I will. But you will, yeah. Yeah, but I will. <laughs> um, so, I, like, obviously with the pandemic kind of going on right now, it's thrown everything up in the air. Yeah. So I kind of want to focus on that a little bit, even though we've really been talking about it quite throughout the entire thing, through the entire Q&A. But... Um, what are some things that musicians should be focusing on right now to prepare for life after the pandemic? Mm, good question. I think, 
it's really important to just it's, it's a really good time actually to center yourself as an individual and an artist and discover what you really want to get out of this year um i think that's really important and that's that's not just from the music perspective but as you as an artist and your your kind of overall career goals um and the journey that you want to go on um so you know for me you know the artists that i'm working with it's just working with them a little bit more closely than usual actually and and speaking to them you know on a daily basis doing weekly calls just setting them up and working through thankfully for us both danny and kelsey had recorded music um prior to lockdown so we were really lucky that we could focus on getting that out there and doing the best we could in terms of like promoting it um and hopefully you know fingers crossed that that works and what we decided to do you know got out to people um so that was you know doing things like lyric videos and official music videos and finding other avenues doing live streams doing more radio interviews over the phone doing zoom calls doing co-writes um so yeah just filling up your time but knowing you know centering yourself as an artist and figuring out what is it that you want to achieve um and it's very difficult obviously at this time to to say what you want to do in the next two three months because mm -hmm. we don't know if we're going to be even be able to do shows in two to three months so that's really difficult um so hope, having an open mind as well about you know the situation and not getting downheartened by it because it's going to be okay we're going to get through it um and we're going to support each other through it so absolutely and something that we've kind of started diving into as we've relaunched our website and uh found that we have the ability to do like a digital magazine through our website, through the provider that we use. Um, how, from how much experience do you have with like organizing uh, like single reviews and album reviews and like, what's the importance of that for musicians? Yeah. Um, so I do that through the press release and kind of during the promotional period. So <laughs> usually when the song goes on to pre-order and we have a pre-save link, for example, um, I'll start approaching people that I have already made connections with um, and then other people that I think would really appreciate the music. So it's about looking at, you know, there are definitely certain companies that always get on board. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, I have some really good friends in, in the industry who are always willing to do reviews and interviews and and promote the music that the artists out of Scarlet River and Puzzlemaker um, produce, which is great. Um, but then also, you know, thinking about the song itself, you know, if it's a more upbeat pop country kind of modern style, then are there certain companies that might go for it? Um, if it's a more down, downbeat, you know, classic country um, song with, you know, big meaning or, you know, especially during this time, you know, can we, push it out there to help people um, in terms of like mental health. Can we promote that? Can we kind of make awareness for things like that for the NHS, for example? So finding those companies that might get on board with that particular song as well. Um, so I think, you know, I have a huge, I have just have a re I have lots of lists. I'm a very list orientated person. Um, so I just have lots of lists um, around everywhere on pieces of paper in my Google Drive. And yeah. I just kind of go through those and just see, you know, for this particular song and for this artist, what works? And I spend a bit of time, you know, doing some research around the topic and, and getting in contact with new people that might like to be on board like yourself. Um, and going, yeah, and doing that. So in terms of PR and promotion, that's kind of what I go through. Nice. It, you know, it, it's great to talk to somebody else that's very list oriented so ever list since I was a little kid it's like <laughs> I gotta list everything out like even on my phone like on the notes app 
it's yeah. just like pages and pages of nonsensical lists. And it's like, oh, I made that for this one thing that I was trying to accomplish seven years ago. I don't need this anymore, but it's still, you know, it's still sitting there. Oh, I am exactly the same, but it's, it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes I look at my lists and I'm like, oh my goodness, they are way too long. Um, yeah. And that can be quite downheartening in itself. Um, but I definitely agree. I have so many notes in my phone of one liners, you know, things I need to do or 10 lines, you know, it, it's, it's cool. Whatever works for you, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've been really trying to figure out a way to organize that like the list aspect just so it makes more sense and yeah it always ends up just being this long run-on list of <laughs> yeah i like um, the bullet points so you can take them off when you've done them <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay. <laughs> i should probably start doing that because yeah um and so you mentioned like doing traditional radio interviews is that something that's still or from your perspective is that still effective an effective promotional tool or is it more yeah, podcasts well, and I think it's a bit of both um okay. because I think it's really cool to get to grab listeners attention when they are you know when they've tuned into a radio station that they ordinarily would tune into and then having the opportunity to listen to some new music but also allowing the artist to speak about where the song came from and the story behind it and a little bit about themselves. So I think that's quite a nice one. Um, and then the podcasts are kind of for getting in, in more in depth about, you know, life and, and the music industry and the artists themselves and their journey. So not just this song, but, you know, what's come before, what the long-term plan is. And then, and I think it's really nice to have both of those because then a fan can decide what they're looking for and what they would like to listen to. So if, if they like a, if they like an artist, then they might go and listen to the podcast. But if they're new to the artist, then a radio interview is a really nice introduction and a summary of what the mm -hmm. artist is about. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've learned doing the podcast is I really like the aspect of being able to sit down and dive deeper into who the musician is, not yeah, necessarily sure. just promoting the song, but like taking 15, 20 minutes and it's like, Oh, hey, like when I was uh, interviewing Charlotte the other day, we found out that we both have love crime or true crime stories, like, you know, just all <laughs> that stuff. And so we ran on a good little ramble about that. So, you know, it was being able to do that is always exciting, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, um, but that's pretty much all the questions that I had as far as like pre-prepared stuff. So if anybody else has any questions as we start wrapping this up, um, because I know it's a little bit later for you, it's midday for me. So it's, it doesn't really <laughs> matter, but um, what's one thing, or first of all, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit more about your management company and what you offer musicians. Let, let, let's tr cool. drive that home. Okay, yeah, sure. So Scarlet River Management is a UK-based artist management company that specializes predominantly in modern country. Um, so I work with artists in a managerial capacity, but also in terms of like live bookings and third-party representation, and then also social media and promotion as well. So there are you know different aspects depending on what the artist needs because I think it's really one focus for me and one thing I find really important is making sure that the artist feels like they're getting what they're paying for if it's something like social media and marketing um but also in terms of management that they have someone that's on board and gonna push the focus of what you know their career goals and what they want to achieve um is so I think that's really important and that's something that 
Scarlet River is gonna hold true. Um, that's the point. Why did you call it Scarlet River? Um, <laughs> that's a, to be honest, I, I'm gonna tell you a really stupid story. Okay. Um, I, to be honest, I love, um, I love the name Scarlet. I felt like it was being being a woman. It was quite a female sounding name. Um, it was very. It's quite a fierce color too. Um, and I'm quite. I can be quite fierce sometimes. Um, when it comes to that, in terms of like, I like to get things done and I like to be on on point with a lot of stuff. So that's where Scarlet came from. And then when I put that forward, I was brewing on Scarlet Management, and it didn't quite sound right. It needed a second name. It needed like a second word in there to drive yeah. that. And all credit to Danny McMahon. He went, I think it should be Scarlet River. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, so that's genuinely where it came from. Um, I wish there was a better story um, behind that and why yeah. it was Scarlet River, but I love it. I'm so passionate about that name. I love it. And I'm, and I, when I went to think about the logo as well, like the color schemes that you can incorporate into that, just the whole branding um, yeah. from it. So that's kind of where that came from. Um, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question. Sorry if it's not that exciting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what Scarlet River does. Um, and we just want to we just want to help the artists. I'm so passionate about making sure that the artist gets everything that they want um, mm -hmm. from from anything that we help them to do, um, whether that's promoting one single, whether that's working in a management capacity, you know, long term, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I'm always looking to make connections with other people because that will benefit the artist as well. Um, it's really important, you know, to have connections with people and, and to have a good support network because you can't do it on your own. Um, yeah. You just can't. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Hold on. In your opinion, what UK town cities have you found have had some of the best music scenes to look to try and get a gig mm -hmm. in? Okay, so in terms of country, at the moment, I would say Manchester um, and London are the two to kind of look for. Okay. Um, however, there's a huge scene opening up in Scotland um, and playing in Scotland is awesome. I, I was really lucky. I got to, I put together a three-day talk of Make Mine Country um, to promote the different aspects of country music in the UK. Mm -hmm. So we had like a Celtic folk artist, a traditional artist, country pop artist, and we did a few tour dates. Um, and we went to Scotland and they had some of the best people um, in terms of fans, the way they get behind the artists is incredible. So Scotland is great. Um, Birmingham's also a really good one. Um, Scott, Charlotte, get on that. Um, and so that's really cool. And then I'm one of the great things that Scarlet River is trying to do, and one thing that we want to do is to try and promote Bristol and Cardiff as two new hubs, um, mm -hmm. if we can. So we're looking yeah. to kind of work with companies, radio stations, um, and people from those areas too, um, so that we can help introduce country artists to other areas of, of, the, of the globe, of the country, of mm. you know, uh, new cities. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we're working towards at the moment. Awesome. And then uh, something that my buddy just texted me about, and it's kind of some, something that we can go into here a little bit. Um, do you, how important is it to, or, well, obviously it's important, but um, do you offer any services to make sure that musicians are like legally compliant with government, like as far as like taxes or 
like whatever any of that stuff may be over in the UK? Because I know like over here in the US, you have to file certain paperwork, you know, all that fun stuff. Sure. So yeah, we make sure that I work really closely with Puzzle Maker um, Studios and we have um, a great lawyer that we work with super closely to make sure that all of those things are in check and in order and that we work you know, as you say, um, legally and everything is working correctly. And yeah. and so, yeah, I'm really thankful to have a good um, kind of support network around me when it comes to things like that, for sure. Um, we want more in Wales. Yes, we do, Craig. I completely agree with that. Um, and SW Country, who are a new um, country radio show um, in Cardiff, we're going to be hopefully working with them to kind of bring some new stuff to, uh, to Wales. Um, and Nathan, it's Paris pretty, definitely. Not Portsmouth. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then as far like staying on the legal aspect of things, um, how how important is it to make sure that people are copywriting their music and like what's that process? That yeah, you know? that's it's super important because the last thing that you want to do as an artist is not have all of that in in place and then find yourself in really sticky situations. Um, when I was at um, a manager's conference last year, I believe, you know, they said that it's really important, even if it's just, especially when you're going to like co-writing and things like that, that you just have a piece of paper that just says, you know, whatever comes out of this, it's a 50-50 split or, yeah. or whatever you decide, um, yeah. you know, and, and things like that, that sound so simple um, and that you don't necessarily think about as the first thing when you go in, some yeah. of those things can be fundamental. And, and especially when, you know, it, that song might actually end up somewhere, you know, in, in the pocket of a, a number one artist or, you know, somebody that's with a record label, just, you know, simple things like that. But the great thing about working with Puzzle Maker, again, is that they have an artist development program and all of that comes into that. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's super important to make sure that you've got all of that behind you and, and the right people can, can guide you towards that. You know, you don't have to have all the answers. That's what people, you know, there's always somebody that you can go to. And it doesn't have to be a big drawn out thing. It could just be something as simple as I, we agree to this and it, that like, I mean, as far as being legally binding aspect, it doesn't have to be a big drawn out 20 page contract. It could be a one page thing, just as long as you have like a lawyer or something, look over it and say, yeah, this is, this will hold up. Yeah, exactly. And whatever you're comfortable with, for sure, mm. you know, just take take a look through it, take your time, especially when it comes to, you know, especially with some contracts, especially if you're looking at like management or record labels and, and things like that, it's really important to make sure that you are 100% on board with it too. Um, you don't have to be pressured into doing something that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And as far as like record labels go, is that something the musician should be actively involved with? Or is that more of a management? Like, how does that kind of work? It's a really interesting one because oh. some artists don't want record labels um, and some do. So at the moment, you know, the things that record labels used to do many years ago, we're finding that the artists and the managers need to do first before we can get up to the kind of record label standards. So that that's probably not the case all of the time mm -hmm. um for sure but you know people that i've spoken to in nashville when we went so we went a couple of years ago um and did some writing with a great guy called billy smiley um and we were talking to him about things like that and he was saying you know record labels nowadays want to see that you're investing financially um and in terms of time yourself first um and then a record label might decide to come on board because they've seen that you've put in all of that effort yourself um so 
again, it's one of those things dependent on whether an artist wants it or not. If an artist wants to strive for that, then your strategy might be slightly different. Um, but if you don't, then that's okay too. Cool. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of, like you had mentioned, a lot of the stuff that the record labels used to do, yeah, a lot of a lot of musicians and a good management team could probably get ninety percent of it done themselves. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So other than that, uh, is there anything else that you feel like musicians should know? Well, actually, we'll go into like more basic questions that I ask a lot of the musicians. What advice do you have for younger musicians that um, are just starting out? Um, okay, so it's really important to stay true to who you are. Um, I think that, you know, I've seen way too many a time people who, you know, are of authority, so to speak, um, think that they can influence a younger musician's direction. Um, and and maybe they can, but for me, that's that's not what it's about. It's about coming on board with the artist's vision and the goal and helping them to succeed. And as a young artist, definitely stay true to who you are. Um, you know, enjoy the experience first and foremost as well, because, you know, it's not something that you need to jump into in the deep end, like straight away. You know, you can take your time. You've got the time as a young musician to write original music, find out the sound that you love, find out what you, you know, who, who do you want to be, basically? Who do you want to be? And then find the people to surround you and love you and guide you and support you into doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a perfect way to uh, state it. Um, and then the other thing that we like to do, or one thing that I've been talking to uh, one of our writers that uh, she does a lot of our uh, digital magazine articles. And one thing that we're working on right now is how to manage your time effectively when you're in studio. Do you have any perspective on that or any inv advice on how to properly make sure you're getting the most out sure. of like yeah the most out of your studio time? In terms of studio time, it's important to make sure you're working with the right studio first. Um, so, you know, if you need to go and do some research and meet up with a couple of studios um, take a look around, see what they can offer you, you know, that's cool. Um, I think that's a really important thing to do because the person that you you know, invested in, in, you know, you're going to invest in them financially to create your product. And that product's going to be out there for a very long time. Sometimes, you know, it's going to surpass when you stop being an artist, you know, in 50, 100 years time. So it's really important that you make sure that the art, that what you are creating and the studio that you get behind is going to be on board with that. Um, so that's really important. And then in terms of being in the studio, if you found the right people, then I think you will work effectively, which will then potentially mean you work a little bit faster, um, that you're all on the same page. So you're not fumbling around for different ideas. Um, you kind of all have that common common goal and you, you know where you're heading. Um, so I think those are probably quite important. Awesome. And then somebody just messaged me again. Uh, would, would you ever consider representing somebody outside of the UK? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've had um, I've actually had a couple conversations with um, a few guys um, that aren't in the UK uh -huh. about UK representation um, and, you know, also maybe co-management, too, because yeah. I've, I've spoken to people who have management companies in their country of residence, but then yeah. also, you know, co-partnering with a manager in a different area if you feel that their music is like that's the next country yeah. for example like you're going to be going to and going to be pushing so yeah definitely i'm always up for kind of working with new people and it, it doesn't have to be uk based at all 
Awesome. And so that that's not uncommon to have multiple managers in various or having a manager in different countries. I've not heard of it like too much, um, okay. but I've definitely spoken to people who do do it. Um, whether or not they call it management, it could be that you have a sole manager and then you have, for example, like U.S. representation. Yeah. Um, so people who might, you know, come on board just for that. So whether they could be like, for example, they could be an American booking agent um, mm -hmm. they could be an American PR company um, or they could be another manager that wants to invest for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, and then uh, for anybody that might be interested in reaching out to you, uh, where can they find you on social media? Where, how can they get a hold of you? All that fun. Sure. So um, all of the social media, if you just um, search Scarlet River Management, um, you'll find us there. I've got a website as well, which is www.scarletrivermanagement.com. And we have a contact page on there. Um, and if you go to any of my socials, then you'll find um, kind of email addresses that you can you can um, email us at as well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but I want to thank you again so much for sitting down and chatting. Like this was a great conversation. This is like the first, like, I, I like be, trying to keep it very conversational, but I, I wanted to see how like a live Q and a type thing would work. <laughs> and I think this went really well. So I'm really happy and hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again. You know, it's, yeah, it was great. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, thank you anybody. Thank you everybody for paying it or tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to leave it in the comment section below and I'll either I'll try and get them over to Rachel and we can kind of have that conversation or you can reach out to her directly. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you later. So I hope you guys found the live Q&A informative, useful, you know, we're really trying to explore new ways to help musicians, maybe younger musicians that are uh, trying to get started or have just gotten started and just don't know where to turn for certain information. We really want to be the platform that they turn to, you know. So uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed that live Q&A. And because this podcast is already two and a half hours long, we are going to forego having our cover song of the week. We will cut that out of this week's episode. I know it sucks, but, you know, like, I don't want to keep you guys too much later into the podcast because, you know, two and a half hours is kind of pushing my limits as far as listenability. So um, we're going to kind of start wrapping it up here. I just want to thank you all so much for your continued support. Like when we started this earlier this year, we never thought we'd make it to 15 episodes. We had the goal of hitting 26 episodes and the fact that we've already hit 15 is absolutely amazing. You know, it's, it's just really hard to consistently hit these out. And especially with the pandemic right now, it's really, really hard to get out. And um, so it's just been an absolute blast. Absolutely amazing that we've been able to get this out on a consistent basis. And hopefully we'll continue to do it for a really long time. We've got some really cool stuff in the works. We've got some trips that we want to take. We've got some bands. We've got a feature. And, you know, so hopefully in the near future here, we'll be back doing live, live, live jam sessions. I know we've got some people that want to come through the uh, apartment here in Waco. So that'll be cool. And we'll definitely take all those opportunities that we can. But in the meantime, I just want to thank y'all 
please go visit liveandamplified.net. Go visit us on social media, live and amplified everywhere you go. Um, thank you. Please go support all the musicians that we've featured today or that we've talked about today. It's been absolutely amazing. I love y'all. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you guys are staying safe, stay sane. Like that's the most important part because mental health is really, really important right now. So please stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and we will catch y'all later.